In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Hello there, fellow geeks. I'm Troy. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. And I'm Mike Kitchen, and unfortunately, my Halloween costume came two days too late. Hey there, I'm Trevor. The tower, the tower, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. And I'm Gavin, and I'm Mentok, the mind taker. Welcome to Geeking Off the Page, a group of college nerds who decided to keep nerding it up 20 years later. Is that it? Is that it? That's, You're done? That's that's it. Okay. All this right, is then. what he was talking about, the onions. Over to <laughs> you, Troy. All right. So this is episode 26 of, like Gavin just mentioned, Geeking Off the Page. And um, we're here on a weekly basis. Uh, like I said, 26 episodes in. This episode is being recorded on the uh, 6th of November, 2021. So if you're listening to this in the future, that's when this all this stuff went down and all that um so that's gonna be real handy when uh, we need alibis oh for sure yes yes that's why i'm time i'm totally time stamping it and when we're done this we'll record one for tomorrow so we get a timestamp for that so we can just bring up whatever episode we need for whatever time we need to an alibi for if any of us need an alibi right we got your backs there you go so every single episode we start off with the uh our coming attractions and this time we have a bunch of uh, trailers and uh, teasers that we like to uh, go through. And basically that's what we're going to do now. So the first one we have one, we're coming out uh, starting strong with this one this week. And we are going with the Book of Boba Fett. So uh, this is going to be uh, dropping on Disney Plus at the very end of the year because they did say they were going to be releasing it in late 2021. And well, here it is being dropped on the 29th of December. Um, get any later than that no you can't really technically 31st 31st yes exactly but uh this actually no you can't because uh they only release tv shows on a wednesday and this is the final wednesday of the year so technically they couldn't go any later because it's not a movie so that's a friday when the disney plus drops their movies um so basically there was nothing leading up to this. There was no, hey, here comes something, or you get some sort of preview shot or some behind the scenes stuff. You heard that this was being filmed. We had a bunch of the actors and the directors and whatnot confirm that it was being worked on right now, but there was no, like, all of a sudden, here you go, Boba Fett, everyone, more Star Wars, just out of the blue. And I mean, it's fair to say that we're all fans of Star Wars. I mean, we basically built our relationship. Just yeah, exactly. A just a yeah, bit. Just a bit. Just a bit. We built our friendships through playing the Star Wars role-playing game in college, uh, in between classes or after classes or during classes. And in lieu it, of classes. In lieu of classes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was it was the thing that bound us together. And when Mandalorian came out, we were like blown away because this is a spectacular thing that we were seeing. Season two of Mandalorian, again, just equally blown away. And the added bonus of bringing back the character of Boba Fett, who has 
less than 10 minutes of screen footage, including special edition cuts of in the original trilogy. And it's this character that was so mysterious and became this fan favorite and all that, but he just went off in this quick little way and whatever. Well, we got reintroduced to Boba Fett and finding out that he is the kick-ass bounty hunter that we've all built up in our minds over the years of reading fan or comic book or extended universe novels and whatnot um, that are now technically legends stuff and all that. But knowing at the end of Mandalorian 2 that we got the teaser that Boba Fett will be returning in the book of Boba Fett uh, to the end of 2021. And we got this trailer now just like a month, like two months ahead of when it's supposed to be out. And this was spectacular. This was a fantastic visually. I mean, there isn't much to this because it's just a bunch of glamour shots and whatnot. Uh, we see a lot of new characters. We see a lot of new settings. We see, we don't see anything technically really that we've already seen. We got, uh, we got some Tuscan Raiders. We got some like uh, Tristarians. Uh, we got, um, uh, we know that Finnick Shan is with uh, Boba Fett and all that. We know that Boba Fett is basically taking over as a crime lord. He is basically picking up the mantle of where Jabba the Hutt is, but he's going to be a fair ruler sort of thing but uh, they all say more that. democratic than i was they, expecting. yeah they all say it'll yeah. all be good under my rule yeah exactly exactly remember the last guy well he's yeah no, i'd yeah. be fine here yeah sure but it just looks like again it's going to be a fantastic ride and um favreau and filoni look like they've like hit it out of the park again and we've only got like a minute and 47 seconds worth of footage <laughs> now I'm I'm going to say it. I mean, there's a, a short little look there of of Boba Fett with his you know with the helmet off, mm -hmm. and Tamara Morrison looks so much better, you know, in the book of Boba Fett as he did in the Mandalorian. Mandalorian, he was pale, he had scars, he was kind of bloated looking. Now it looks like he's slimmed down a bit. He's got a bit of a tan. So obviously, not wandering the desert and having his armor back is is good for him. Maybe um, it's back, Tank. Maybe, maybe. Um, but I like the fact that they're using this as a wave. You know, a little bit of time has passed and he's, you know, gotten healthy. Now, I was reading something about at the very start of the trailer, um, we see one of the, the Veneery monks, the guys who like take their brains and stick it in yeah. a jar and yeah, 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 wander yeah. around. And in, I remember in, in some of the lore, they have um, advanced... Uh, medical technology in the 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 bowels of Jabba's palace. Um, that that's the, the stuff they use to you know take the brains out successfully, stick them in the jars because they these guys in the in the jars last thousands of years, and they had a an agreement with Jabba that Jabba and his men didn't bug them, and they got to stay in the monastery, which Jabba's palace was this monastery of these monks. So maybe Boba's made the same sort of agreement and they've like, we'll tell you what, we'll, you know, make you a little healthier than you were. Because I'm sure being in the guts of the Sarlacc and wandering the deserts of Tatooine have not been the, the best health-wise for him. So. <laughs> and fun fact about that, the, it's the opening shot of this trailer. And when I saw that movement, I was like, that is definitely from Phil Tippett. 
like no way around it. And sure enough, my buddies that are still working at Tippic went, hey, I didn't know they were going to show this so soon. Yep, that was us. We did that. So that's fun to see that Phil Tippett's back doing animation on this. So yeah, it's, I'm, I saw this trailer and I was, I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. I just, I'm like, can't wait for it to, to drop. Um, because this one, it feels like it's going to be kind of more like the Godfather in a way. Like it has that vibe to it. Him like, like someone that I've seen people talking about, it's, it's the Star Wars Sopranos. Yeah. And it's Which, totally like one of the role-playing games we would have done back in college. Ab- like, absolutely. Just about everybody was some sort of a bounty hunter or rogue yeah, of ba- some sort. Bounty hunter takes over a crime syndicate. That sounds completely like a campaign we'd have. Right. And so Either looking through the trailer, respond. yeah, looking through the trailer, it looks like a really good adventure. So Except for Amon really Calamari on, uh, on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, he's... Anyone got some water? Calamari have to stop on Tatooine. They're just like, oh, man. Yeah, really? I hate sand. <laughs> Could I bother you for a sip of water? And another sip of water. Could you just hand me the jug? Yeah, but there's oh. so much fun stuff that looks like there's happening in, in this trailer. Like it, all the different people that look like they're part of the crime syndicate. Um, just seeing Boba Fett on the throne after Bib Fortuna's untimely demise in the mandalorian <laughs> untimely <laughs> demise yeah well, he didn't time for it no definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. expected to come um the only shot in there where i was kind of wondering is that uh scene where all the guards or soldiers have the force fields um mm-hmm. star wars is one thing like i know they did in the prequels and maybe they're doing that as like a little throwback to the prequel trilogy but in the original trilogy, you never really saw force fields. Like they always talked about them, but it always seemed like an invisible thing. So that's just the only thing that is out of place from, you know, like the old school Star Wars visual look. However, everything else is just spot on, like from the ships to the costumes to the attitudes, everything about it. So, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Well, in the uh, 2D animated uh, version of the Clone Wars, the uh, the one where uh, I believe it's the bounty hunter Dursk that uh, the one that has the the like tentacle sort of creation, the the guy in the mm-hmm. helmet and all that, he himself had um, wrist mounted circular shields that he used to fight off. Now that has since become legend, but in Clone Wars the uh mandalorians have lightsaber protectable shields mm-hmm. that also showed up so it's david filoni bringing in from what he created in the clone wars yeah. into so it looks like it was a lost sort of technology that is now starting to find it because it's looks like these are the only characters that have yeah, there's it there's a way you can seen, yeah. write it in uh, yeah that my sure, only yeah, yeah. thought is if you look at star wars empire strikes back return of the jedi yeah, they always talk about shields. You know, you have mm-hmm. to blow the shield generator. You have to yeah. pass through the shields. We never saw a single shield in three movies. So for me, yeah, like visually, yeah, it's like that's part of the lore. You right, know, right. that's part of the yeah. visual bible of what is Star Wars. So well, that's something that's kind of adding. To well, it. judging from the weapons they're using, the the energized staffs, which could be like force staffs or or. Um, I know in some of the books I talk about, like the Sith had these pain staffs and stuff like that. And then the, even the staffs that the, the uh, Grievous's guards use, um, these kind of look like a variation of it. So 
yeah, these guys could be using lost tech from the Clone Wars. And since they're all dressed the same, they're probably from the same crime syndicate. Yeah. Um, or or bounty hunter or, or, or bodyguard sort of outfit or mercenaries. And this is, you know, this is they probably stumbled upon a cache of this stuff, and this is part of their standard equipment, but it's not standard that so this is why they probably charge higher prices because hey, we got energy shields and we got energy energy spears and you know, we can take down Mandalorians. We can take down Jedi. What do you so, think, Gavin? I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm happy that Boba Fett finally gets a chance to actually shine on his own. Uh, when he, uh, he showed up in the Mandalorian, it was, uh, it was like, a, it was very cool. Uh, oh shit, that's Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett. Boba Fett, where? <laughs> just the sheer excitement from that was, it was, it was. Uh, I, I was really worried after that point was. How much is Boba Fett going to overshadow Mando? That that was my big concern. Fortunately, they 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 used him sparingly, so he wasn't kind of like Boba Fett steps in, and now the episode is all about it's all about him. He was kind of he's kind of kept sort of a, a background kind of character for a lot of a lot of the episodes he was he was in. Well, lots. Sorry, what two episodes, three max. Mm -hmm. um, but now that we've got uh, the book of Boba Fett coming out. Now we get to see him, the character, the real Boba Fett coming into the foreground. So now hopefully the, uh, uh, you know, the legends that we've built up in our own mind from, you know, what was it? You said 12 minutes of screen time, pretty much. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and half of it was standing there looking, uh, standing motionless with no yep. disintegrations like pointed at him. So, I mean, the, 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 the legend of Boba Fett, when he, he was was such uh so monumental this this mysterious character nobody had any idea who this guy was except he was obviously the coolest bounty hunter in the entire galaxy and this was all based on the fans just going like supplying to all their own sort of their own uh, uh excitement and and uh you know just just everything about him was it was just there was there it was a blank slate there was nothing to to really know until they started coming up with the uh you know the the various books and even then that wasn't officially canon so now that this is kind of a canon version of Boba Fett's story now all i can hope is that they live up to what the expectations are i mean he certainly did in the mandalorian i mean he was a badass fighter exactly yeah. what you know i wanted to see from you know empire strikes back capturing the you know fighting off the stormtroopers to get Han Solo I mean obviously you know there was a deal that got worse and worse <laughs> but still you know it would have been kind of cool seeing him actually fight but I mean I, I get the I'm just getting hit in a jetpack and falling into a hole <laughs> yeah the, was that a Wilhelm scream that I heard there, or? <laughs> yeah now I, yeah. I am going to go on a limb and I hope really hope that somewhere in the book of Boba Fett we either see IG-88 Bosk or Dengar Oh, for sure. Hopefully, I, at the I very least, see, yeah. At the very I least, I want to see one of, one of those yeah. three, yeah. either in passing or in a hologram communication between him and someone else. That's yeah. I just, that's pretty I just, doable. I want to see at least Dengar one of those would three. be a great fit, or even yeah. Forlom and Zuckus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That would be at the lowest end, but I want to see either IG88, Bosk, or Dengar yeah. talking well, with that. We, we've seen what an IG uh, uh, assassin droid is capable and, of doing, and he was so. a lesser model. Exactly. I mean, delegated thing, to nurse droid, but still. Nurse one thing I thought when you saw the all the gangsters at the table, I was wondering what the hell is a Gorn doing 
as part of the crimes of the syndicate. <laughs> and I was like, well, oh, wait, it's one of those Bosch aliens. What are they called? The Trandoshans. Trandoshans, yeah. yeah. So that was cool. But yeah. at first I was like, whoa, crossover. No, yeah. wait. <laughs> we know and it's also and it's also nice to see that there there are animated faces, which is kind of nice. That uh, right. yeah, so that's that's kind of cool. But uh, definitely, we're all definitely looking forward to this for sure because it's the uh, last Star Wars thing we're going to get this year. Which at the very end, I guess that's the best we can get. Yeah, because then so it's set us up for next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Looking um, forward to it for sure. So uh, the next thing we have, we're going to complete 180 from the Book of Boba Fett, and we have a full trailer, which is trailer number two compared to last week's uh, teaser trailer of Moonfall. And again, this, these are from the people that brought you Independence Day and Independence Day 2 and Godzilla and The Day After Tomorrow. And um, if you've seen those movies, set, this, set that more into Earth space sort of thing, and uh, you got uh, Moonfall. Looks to be some sort of giant monster in the moon, and they're investigating the dark side of the moon. The dark side of the moon. That you're not supposed to go to the dark side of the moon. Well, this is what I happens. Did say it had to have the dark side of the moon last totally, week. Totally, totally did, totally did. And I'm pretty sure if we had we, we had sat down, we'd been able to write up the script for this movie. We would see the handful of damp cocktail napkins, and we could exactly, <laughs> exactly dialogue included. I had a couple it, of chimpanzees, and we've got a, ourselves a script. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You just need a three-year-old to point out plot holes. Yeah, but um, it looks like pretty much the same. And and again, this is going to be one of those, hey, we got a, this big cast. Hey, we got this amazing budget for our special effects. It's going to look cool. It's going to sound cool. We got Donald Sutherland. We Yeah, we got, I was surprised. Okay, I was, I was totally blown away when it's like, whoa, Donald Sutherland. I didn't realize he was desperate for work. But he's the voice of reason. Yeah, I mean, he is the voice. He is the voice of reason. Well, every movie has the voice of reason in it. I mean, he's the well, judge. The role in Emmerich film, there's always someone yeah. who's he, well, yeah, Donald Sutherland, guy who has yeah, all yeah. the answers. Exactly, exactly. Um, but um, again, it looks like it's going to be something that is going to be cool to see. But you're going to walk out of this movie going, "What the fuck was that?" Well, the thing is, is you're going to have your bucket of popcorn and your drink, and as you come around the corner to get into your seat, you got to reach up and turn off the, the, the logical switch oh, on your brain, sure. because otherwise, in the first five minutes, you're going to be like, "What the?" Yeah. So you just just turn that off. And I can, I won't. I won't. long it is, and yeah. as you leave, turn it back on, and then go, "What the hell did I just watch?" Yeah. And that's not to say that their movies are not entertaining. I'm. I watch Independence Day annually. I mean. It's fantastic. It's a great movie to watch, but you definitely have to turn off that center of your brain that is the logic center and just enjoy the ride. Uh, there These are kind other... of movies I just like to watch the effects reels. It's like, you For know sure. what? I'll stay out of the theater, but once all the effects companies say, this is how we did this, and you see all the beautiful effects. Yeah. I'll, oh, no. For I'll sure. I'll grab my I behind for the scenes, like how they did it. Like, yeah. Cause... Oh, no. The, the stuff like, like, I, I mean, out of all these movies, the only one that really doesn't do well altogether is Godzilla. I mean, the 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 effects are not that great. The cast doesn't seem to be as cohesive as any of their other movies. And the behind the scenes stuff is like ridiculous because they show you a lot of the stuff that they tried to do that didn't work. And it just like it's eh, it's it's not that good. But other things like Independence Day and even I mean, the second Independence Day is not a good movie, but visually it's cool. The 
cast is interesting. I love how they worked around certain characters. Um, what do you mean I, Will Smith's not returning to this movie? But everyone yeah, else is. I, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's his son. No, it's his stepson. Um, it's a, but yeah, it's the son. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adopted son. Yeah, it's his adopted son. Yeah, it's this. It's Vivica A. Fox's son from the first movie, all grown up. Oh, well, I guess that's how we're getting. And a portrait of who hangs a portrait of a warrior in the White House? Like, no, you get presidents hung in the portraits hung in the White House. Like, who is like, did he later become president? Is that it? But anyways. Um, see, these are the notes the three-year-olds would have picked out. Exactly, exactly. But that's mm-hmm. not that movie. We're talking about Moonfall and we're probably going to get pretty much the same. But again, they get a great ensemble cast and they have some pretty good actors in this. And it visually, it looks stunning, but uh, they awaken a creature on the dark side of the moon that decides, hey, we're going to take out the planet Earth. The so you're going to have a lot of, what's that? What monuments do they end up taking out? yeah that's true yeah like yeah. we know new york city's gonna get the hose because it's roland emmerich new york city well, it's has also to it's also a coastal a lot of the coastal places are gonna get completely trounced new york city's I mean, on the coast but i'm just saying he's gonna trash new york city that's a given yeah, yeah. and we're gonna see like uh, some historical buildings go down but what yeah. other monuments are gonna gonna take the hit well what haven't they taken out well they could take out uh uh friggin um the, the one with all the faces on it yeah, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Wow. That's the I first one know. that came to my mind as well. Yeah, Rushmore has got to go down. I mean, and of course, they'll probably take out the Eiffel Tower yet again or the something Chry- like well, the that. the Chrysler building's got to go again. Because Chrysler building, yeah. yeah. Can't stop picking on it. Yeah. Yeah, you always notice there's there's never any Canadian things taken out because oh, Canada always well, seems to survive these movies. Independence Day, Independence Day 2, and, and basically all of his films, you never see Canada because all whatever the da- disaster stops the Canada and they're like, oh, yep. no, they're too polite. Well, exactly. Yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. It's like my favorite cartoon of, of, of death standing at the, you know, trick-or-treating. He's standing at the door. He's like, Mildred, your time is, oh, full-size chocolate bars. We're good, Mildred. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is where they get maple syrup from? Shit. (laughs) All right. We can't attack here. Yeah. So all I can think of watching the Moonfall trailers, both of them, is, well, shit. Dead Space did this already. This is the cover of Dead Space 3. Now, can you see that sort of round shape behind the logo? Is that a moon falling towards the planet? No, but it's a dead moon. Uh, necromorph moon which basically is a living organism and all I can think of is well what if the moon is made of something that's a, that's that that's uh, lying in wait jeez and we're going to attack the earth jeez okay did you did you did you take the crib notes from dead space or yeah could, uh, we're just going to copy the homework but we're going to change it a little bit oh yeah well with Trevor mentioning cheese so much, that would be the best thing in the movie theaters. A big bucket of popcorn cheese <laughs> flavored and just sell that it with just, Moonfall. Just out of the dark southern moon, just this big cheese tentacle roll comes up. As everyone's eating their cheesy popcorn. Yeah. As to your point, but as to your point, Gavin, Independence Day is just War of the Worlds. Oh, the, absolutely. The, the, the aliens get taken out by a virus. I mean on a mac i mean a mac a mac, <laughs> a mac virus <laughs> anyway which, with everything 
they exactly. they later ret, uh, didn't they later retcon it by saying that basically all of Earth's technology was based off of the alien technology they discovered back uh, back in the day. No, in well, technically, yeah, a little bit of it, but the second one actually totally takes whatever alien devices that are now known to the whole entire world to advance Earth's technology. So I, 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 remember, I did like that. I did like well, that. Uh, a yeah, lot. I, I read a while back that they're just their idea was the aliens interfaced with our satellites and Goldblum with through his laptop interfaced with, with the set. He was already, because through his job, he could interface the satellites. So the aliens had already had the bridging software and he just used that to go, you know, all the way back to them. That was their explanation. They could have oh, spent two seconds actually saying that in the, in the movie and it would have been, oh, okay. So yeah, so the, the aliens infiltrated the satellites and he just used their infiltration software to, to backtrack to them. But they never said that. So we're just, we're just led to assume that apples can interface with anything. All right. Oh. So enough, enough, enough about Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> Quick little, just so you guys can see it. Okay. What do we got here? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm not yes. wearing costume. Yeah. I'm here to take <laughs> your stuff. Holy shit. Full size Snickers. Never mind. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Yeah. No, that is a good one. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to the next trailer and we actually got, uh, technically two trailers in the same week. We got a teaser trailer for the trailer coming out the next day, which was more of an interview sort of thing for Morbius. So the first thing is we, we're, we're, we're sitting down with, uh, long haired, uh, Jared Leto sitting there talking about being Morbius and, talking about the movie and whatnot. Got a couple of clips of stuff we've already seen. And then it's a basically tune in tomorrow for the full trailer. And well, the next day we get the full trailer. And um, I think we've already spoken up about Morbius already. I mean, I am aware of the character. I know that the character exists in the Spider-Man universe. He's a Spider-Man. Well, he's a New York based living vampire. Um, as far as I know, he always is supposed to be in his vampire mode. Apparently, Jared Leto can switch back and forth because he doesn't like to wear a digital face, I guess, because there's no way that this is prosthetics on him. Well, there might be prosthetics that they then, again, enhance but digitally. And Jared all that. Leto is, uh, is a method actor, so that's his real face. Doing that, that is his real face. Yeah, you think yeah. you think he actually the, the cheek... I will give I will give you I will give them the points on this. The look of Morbius's face looks really good. It is a really I mean it's very comic accurate. It is very comic is. accurate. Yes, yeah, for sure. And I'll have to give them that. Um, but the feel of this just looks like a Sony trying to cash in on something. And again, this is something that has been delayed again through COVID and whatnot. Um, I don't think anything has been added in the time that it wasn't being released and all that, but again, it's something well, the they did what? add, um, so he his his role has not been defined, but Michael Keaton's in the movie. Oh yes, yeah, no, no, we we got we got that we got in the very first teaser trailer way back when Michael Keaton is in. There's a quick little shot of Michael Keaton, and again, the Vulture is in the Spider-Man universe, the Sony universe and all that, but he's also being used in the MCU because he appeared in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. So it's mm -hmm. always uh, nice to, and yes, the PS3 version of the Spider-Man costume as visually we are being shown right now. Yes, that is the, uh, 
the 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 Sony Universe version of the Spider-Man suit. So, uh, which... but there's at least they're tying the gaps a little bit. I because yep. again with all these Spider-Man villains, I don't really care to see a movie of them. I mean, it's different yeah. with Boba Fett because hey, it's Boba Fett. We played with him as a character, and mm-hmm. you know we have all these stories in our head. Yeah. But with the Spider-Man ones, I don't think there's any Spider-Man villain I really care about as a central hero of their own story that said if this is a good movie i mean i'll watch it morbius was never really a spider-man villain per se no i always Um, read him as because of course i read spider-man comics so i never read him in anything else i always read him i I read spider-man there's like he was in he teamed up with blade for a while he actually he teamed up with spider-man one like for a bit he was part of a couple of different teams so he was he kind of skirted the line between hero and villain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what I remember of him too. But yeah, like you, Mike, a lot of my stuff is like, he was going up against Spider-Man. He ran into Daredevil. I, I do yeah. remember him teaming up with uh, blade at one point. I remember seeing something about that, but other I remember that, he was one of the more sympathetic villains. So he yes. looks creepy as hell, but yeah. no, yeah. he was a guy trying to deal with this condition that he has. Yeah. But again, what they've done visually for the look of at, at the least the very much his face and the hair and all that, how it looks on him. It definitely looks very comic book. With Jared um, Leto, because he is a method actor. Do you think he was going around biting people on set? God, of course he was. Uh, well, at least he's not. Uh, at least we haven't heard he's sending condoms around. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's a totally different character, though. Only the Joker yeah. would do something like that. Um, so this movie is actually being released very, very soon. According to this, it's uh, being released in January twenty uh, second of twenty twenty two. So they're like like a month after Spider Man has been released, they're releasing. So Sony is just like, hey, let's put these out here, let's get them out there, let's get them as close as possible. And seeing the MCU is delaying everything after uh, the Eternals, which came out this week, is going to be Sony's. Sony's going to be the only Marvel out there right now for a little bit. So, I mean, good for them, but let's hope it works. Let's hope they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And who knows, there might be some sort of Morbius thing in uh, the new Spider-Man movie, which comes out in December. So, And do you guys see that article? Apparently Marvel was asking Sony to not show them in the latest trailer for um, the next Spider-Man movie. And it was very vague. Um, I'll see if I can find it, but because we had this with the last Spider-Man movie, because obviously Tony Stark's dead and Sony wanted to just kind of spill the beans in the trailer before Endgame even happened. And Marvel's like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 no. You can't show that. Like you have to here, let us help you with the trailer and you got to delay it or, you know, like you can't show it until this is done. Apparently there's a conversation going on now where, they don't want them to show them yet. So what is them? Is that the Sinister Six. other Spider-Man? Or it could be the Sinister Six. I think it could the be Six. the crossover of these characters. Like, it could be. I don't know. Because things they've got Venom now, Morbius, Vulture. They already revealed who Scorpion is. Right. In the, the prison scene. You just need Rhino. I'm and wondering, Venom. is it Tobey Maguire and... The other I see what you're getting at. Or getting. like, yeah. But anyways, the fact that there's something because Marvel's really great at trailers—they show you enough, but hide the things that 
would spoil the movie. So the fact or that there's something like that. Or throw a red herring out you know, completely that throws you off. Right, like Hulk and Wakanda, yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a good, actually a good point. So again, I mean, we don't have that long to wait, uh, but again, we got to get through Spider-Man first. Um, what is this one again? What's the Spider-Man? No Way Home? No Way Home, yeah. No Way Home, right, yeah. So once we get past No Way Home, I'm pretty sure things will be a little more clear what the hell's going on with Morbius once we hit the end of this, yeah, so... I, I just hope they don't uh, they don't flash him in in the same way that Ven- Venom got flashed in. It's it, it seems to be like a crutch now is that it's going to happen to to the various characters that aren't in the MCU. That somehow the the the, the multiverse of madness effect is going to basically just pull everyone in. It's like ah crap. I don't want to see the same thing happen to every single character that's not in the universe. Yeah. So here's Again. the news article. Yeah, okay. Marvel and Sony reportedly having a dispute over showing them the next Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. And gotcha. After that, it's all speculation. Gotcha. But... So it could either be gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, look, if if Toby and uh, Toby and um, uh, uh, Andrew do show up in the movie, cool. If not, I don't. I don't think. I think there's way too much. I think there's way too much in a two and a half hour movie that, I mean, dude, learn from your Joel Schumacher Batman movies. You don't keep adding more and more characters the further you go in. Yeah, Spider-Man 3. Look at Spider-Man 3. Yes. And again, Sam Raimi also had a problem with it that that Sony kept pushing. No, put this guy in it. Put this guy in it. Put this guy in it. And it's it's just, it's, it's too much. And I don't think you you can't rush it you can't pull a justice league move and i know we've established the toby uh i'm sorry the uh yeah the the to the toby universe the garfield universe we know they're going to do something to come together because we've already been revealed that electro is in it and friggin uh doc, doc Ock Ock and green, green, uh, goblins. green goblin and all that and, so we know that and... those yeah so we know that toby and andrew i hope that if they i mean i know and again we've got this whole entire thing that this is the last one that uh what's his face is going to be doing for spider-man his contract is up after this it's like no we know his contract isn't up after this he's got buckets of money coming his way he has got they're gonna yeah they're gonna pay that kid so much money to come back or he'll be like no i'll come back for less money sort of thing i mean well, he did so, say he was. Uh, he's gonna. He wants to play uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man until he's too old to do it. And yeah, he's exactly. pretty young and spry. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. did did you guys see that uh, that outtake where he actually does the Captain America flip in front of him? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. That no. was him doing it. No CGI. No stunt double. That was yeah. Tom Holland doing the fucking yeah. flip. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, Tom. Tom is a, a talented kid. I mean, he's a. I don't know if he's classically trained, but he is a dancer to begin with. So he has the flexibility to do that sort of thing. And again, he'll be doing it until, until the fact that he, they can bring in another character. He'll be the Spider-Man that teaches Miles Morales, the new Miles Morales, what to do and whatnot. But and a fun thing, I don't know if you guys, we're getting way off Morbius, but um, in the oh, Spider-Man Oh yeah, we were talking comics, about Morbius. <laughs> in the Spider-Man shows you comics, how riveting that is. Dan Slott had some really fun story stuff on where the Spider-Man universe can go to the point where he makes Parker Industries 
and he basically becomes like a new Tony Stark, but it's run more like a Pixar company and lots of really neat stuff. And he still has the whole thing where he's trying to bumble around with too much responsibility and trying to handle the company and try and hide his identity and teaming up with hero. Like it goes completely crazy. So instead of just New York, now he's got global problems because he has a global company and Marvel could pull that. So as Tom Holland gets older, he could easily do this into oh, yeah. his 50s until he is the new Tony Stark. And yeah. you guys realize he's only 25, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he looks 17, but he's 25. Yeah. yeah. He's oh, gonna, no. Well, he got he's the role doing at this like for, 15. for a bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah he can, he's, he's easily going to be able to do this through, you know, Peter Parker's, you know, post college years sort yeah, of thing. For sure. So, Mike, uh, for, for a little bit of information for you, if you go to California and you go to uh, Disney World, the Avengers Campus right there has Disneyland. web. Oh, sorry. Disneyland. Sorry. Yes. Has uh, web industries. And it is basically a Tony Stark sort of environment that is set up spider ones. And it is Tom Holland's Peter Parker running it. There is actually a ride where you are. It's it's him it's tom talking to the audience as peter parker running this thing and then all of a sudden these little spider robots go amok and the ride is you go through this ride to capture these things and then apparently spider-man comes out and assists you and then at the end he comes back as parker saying well thanks for helping us out with that sort of thing and all that so there well there is, you go and yeah. we know that disney likes to make movies based on their rides exactly exactly yeah so I mean, there's no doubt that if 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 Avengers Campus is going is actually the MCU, which it is the stuff that happens in the MCU, because when we were again, when we were watching Loki, when Loki came out with a different look in every single episode, the actors portraying Loki at Avengers Campus would always show up in that new costume and do their walk arounds in that new costume. So they're definitely connecting them together and all that. So. But seeing we're no longer talking about Morbius, we're going to move on Ooh. to the next uh, trailer before we get too far. Ooh. We'll, uh, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll talk more Spider-Man when we get into December. Um, or at least when we finally get a trailer for the stupid movie. That's the other thing. We'll, we'll do a whole entire half hour spew on the movie once we get to the new trailer. But we're going to move on to a more lighthearted sort of uh, uh, deal. And um, a movie that's coming out on Netflix, which actually is already out on Netflix because it was released on the 1st of November. And that is A Boy Called Christmas. What a great after Halloween gift. Uh, so this is a very cute, very wholesome looking uh, sort of Narnia feeling sort of uh, tale of the, the kid that would become... Saint Nick, Nicholas, Nicholas Claus. I mean, um, he has a little companion uh, talking mouse with him, which is adorably cute and very hyper realistic looking. I mean, it definitely looks like it's, I, I meant to look up the voice actor that was doing the voice of the mouse and all that. It sounds familiar. I just can't place it and all that. Oh, Stephen but, Merchant. Yeah, Stephen Merchant. Stephen uh, Merchant, thank you. Thank yeah, you. From yes. Ricky Gervais. Yes, 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 stuff. yes, yes. I'm like, I know this voice. I know this voice. I just yeah. thank you. Thank you. That's okay. Well, that I won't be, I won't, I'll be able to sleep. I'll be able to sleep tonight. Thank you, Michael. This that. is why we have this podcast. Exactly. Between exactly. the four of us, we have half a brain. Exactly. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. But um, it looks like 
a wholesome, hey, let's make this a traditional sort of Christmas movie and all that. And it looks great. It's It's got a kid cast. It's got fantastic. I'm the girls movie. watch it tomorrow night, so. Yeah, I, I might even pop it on with, for Aslan and all that. So it's it's she probably loved it. And I'm sure that mouse will be a big hit. And uh, it, again, it looks something that looks cute, adorable, family friendly sort of Christmas fair that's new. And it's I perceive being asked for a mouse as a pet. <laughs> I'm going to call it now. We have two of them. We have two of them now. So, I mean, I've already told the girls no more pets, not until as the current crop goes away. Oh, that's a sad way to put it. But two yeah. cats, a dog, and two fish. I don't want and and Harrison. I can't handle more. <laughs> and Harrison. <laughs> there you go. Just give him some ears and a nose and some whiskers. There you go. There you go. There's there's your, your younger brother is now the mouse of the house. <laughs> yeah, for this movie, I hope it's good. Um, I'm hypercritical on Christmas movies because. It has to capture that spirit enough that you want to watch it every single year, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like, that's what makes a great Christmas movie. For sure. So you got the original Home Alone, you can watch that all the time. Like, yeah. every year, I'm happy to watch it. Uh, Christmas Vacation, I can watch that every yeah, single year. for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe not uh, with everybody, but yes, you can watch <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Yeah. And um, with Scrooged, this, Bill Murray's Scrooge, Scrooge every year. is another one. That's yeah, one. For yeah. sure, yeah. Um, so it has here- that longevity. Oh, here's another one for the uh, for the for the the older crowd. Um, if you guys have seen it, it's uh, Dennis Leary's The Ref. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it, it, lady, your it husband has, it has Kevin Spacey in it, but you know what? Forget that. It's still a good movie and whatnot. It's a great cast and all that. Then a ref is another one in this household that is always being watched at this time of the year. But yes, again, like you said, Mike, I'm hoping that this is one of those that. Again, it's an acquired movie by Netflix. It's not produced by Netflix. It's just like, hey, someone had this for sale. Let's put it on because we've got all the monies. So, uh, And then we're going to switch gears yet again. Another 180. We're doing a lot of whip arounds. And we're going to go to the um, uh, return coming out next year of uh, Jeepers Creepers. And this is Jeepers Creepers Reborn. It's a 30-second teaser trailer that shows that the creeper is back. Um, if you don't know what the series is about, uh, I would suggest the first is a good movie. The second is a good movie. The third, not so much. But you know what? It's it's basically what it, is. it should be a romp. It should be a fun romp because the the creeper himself is a cool looking character. He's a very menacing sort of thing. And it doesn't show you much in this trailer. And again, we don't actually have a date. More than likely October-ish is when it's going to come out. Maybe mid-fall sort of thing because we know that the the final Halloween movie is coming out around that time so they may not want to compete with it or maybe they want to go directly up against it because you know what Halloween kills didn't do that well but still yeah um I personally I like the creeper as a as a character yeah um I like the the mythology behind the character Mm -hmm. that was another good thing about Um, it too yes it's like every 32 years it comes out of hibernation it feeds for 32 days and then goes back into hibernation yeah yeah. Um, and there were there were elements of the second movie that I liked and and a lot of elements I didn't. Um, but the thing is, is the whole series kind of got tainted with the 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 writer slash director of the first two. Yeah. yeah um, so it's nice to see that they're trying to at least take a sidestep and start it again yeah. and see if they can because it's 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 a cool enough character. You don't, I don't want know to the see story it. about the director. What happened with that? I'm assuming uh, something. 
pretty horrible. Child sex abuse and pornography charges, yeah. child pornography charges, just a despicable human being. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I'm I'm kind of interested to see what they do with the, the Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Um, as I, said, I just I really like the mythology behind. It. I think it was a, a smart way of doing it, but we'll see how it goes. Whenever I hear the creeper, I keep thinking of uh, Steve Ditko's DC comic character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, we're going to go back to the Christmas feel, and we're going to get a bit of a Princess Bride, bit of a Christmas story, sort of a mashup sort of thing. And this is called 8-Bit Christmas, which is coming to HBO Max uh, on November 20, 24th. And this is basically... Um, oh. Neil Patrick Harris is trying to relate to his uh, daughter about uh, sometime in the mid 80s, early 80s, not 100% sure when him and his friends wanted to get uh, the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System, the NES was released. Mm -hmm. And it basically is a father telling the daughter a story back and forth. It has a very, again, it has a very Peter Falk and like telling a story from Princess Bride. And the kid keeps interrupting him and he's like corrects whatever and all that. Um, it looks it looks to be like a fun movie. I'm hoping like we have in the past, like a Christmas story is a great Christmas movie to see. Uh, not everyone, it's not everyone's flavor, but it is a entertaining movie to see. This looks like it's trying to be like the next version of that sort of movie. And I'm hey. I mean, I like Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, he's a it very feels funny. like a Christmas story. Yeah, it definitely feels instead like of, a Christmas instead story. of the Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, it's a Nintendo. Yeah, I thought it was going to turn into a Die Hard. You know, these kids like breaking in and taking over, and then you know Bruce Willis has to come and stop them from stealing Nintendos or something. That'd yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be kind of cool. But it does again. It looks like it's trying for that. Hey, when you were a kid, you watched this movie. Here's an updated version that's uh, more tuned to when you were a kid. Like, like and you I didn't have as, a Red Rider BB gun when you were a kid, but you had an NES. Yeah, I looked at this. Hey, I kind of lived through some of that, wanting a yeah. Nintendo at Christmas and then, you know, getting one and just eyeballs falling out sort of thing. At first, I was thinking all the kids watching this would say, Dad, you actually played video games that were that crappy. But then again, Mega Man's my kid's favorite games and they're used to playing eight bit games so yeah. it's like yeah okay they can relate well yeah and again it's just look at the the time the uh in the 80s when a christmas story was released it was referring back 30 years and now we are 30 years well no 40 years back from us is when the nintendo was out and yeah i know <laughs> i know i know it's a scary number to think about but yeah, yeah so play some games for us 35 <laughs> on the background <laughs> 35, years. 35 years yes okay yeah but still it looks i'm i'm hopeful for this um we got an hbo max release so it's direct to hbo and uh no theatrical releases as far as i know so uh we got the 23rd and then um we have uh one sort of uh one that was put up in our little uh our little uh conversation about um another hbo max max movie which is being released at the festive time of december 16th um and that is um station 11 um now this yeah this this looks to be a really heavy subject to be putting out at this time of the year i mean good on you there hbo max i mean 
but the the uh, phrase too soon really really hits hard right now yeah yeah well you, you gotta remember this book was written in well, it was published in 2014 no i understand and, i understand and that, hbo yeah. got the rights for like a while back mm-hmm. long before covid was even a, something people talked about yeah and, and they had tried to first it was going to be adapted into a movie just a two I actually thought movie. this was a documentary at first and then they realized <laughs> there's so much stuff in that novel i mean i've read the novel it's, it's the novel's amazing um but there's just so much in there you can't putting it into a two-hour format is just it wouldn't do yeah, it you're justice. gonna lose it and you won't do, yeah yeah you're gonna lose so much from it yeah yeah so they decided to go with the, the route of the miniseries unfortunately yeah the topic right now is it's, it's a little a little hard to swallow because it's like, oh God. Um, but I mean, so what, what it is, Joe, what it is, what it is, is basically the storyline is it's you're in a world where a flu like disease has wiped out a number of people and there is most of the population of the most planet. of the population of the planet. Yeah. There are still people trying to live a regular life around that. But other than that, yeah. So you go on there, Trevor. Um, well, I don't want to, I mean, I, I definitely don't want to spoil. This is something that I think people need to watch um, because it's, the book is so heavily character driven. Um, and there are, you know, it's almost like the coincidences of certain people who, you know, met before the flu and then, then meet up after and don't realize who they're meeting up with. Um, and it's just, it's, heartbreaking sometimes when you're like oh this character and you meet up and you're like oh man and you realize all that that person has lost personal on a personal level and you're like how are you getting through each day you know with the, the, that much burden upon your shoulders of what you've lost um i want to know is there a happy ending does it teach us how to get through covid or I'm do we saying. just end up doomed no you're not gonna say damn it now i have to watch say. the show yeah you have to watch it now um, yeah, so when I saw the trailer, I was like, at first I was like, oh, it's it kind of like sounds like that book. And then I started writing, like, oh, it is the book. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's kind of cool. And I recognized, I'd say 90% of every scene that they taught, like that they show. I'm like, oh, I know where that's from. And just like, oh, the scene that happened just before that, the scene that, you know, what comes after that. And they don't show it. You're like, oh, my God. Well, that's so, a good yeah. sign. I always like it uh, when people are well versed in the story. And they respond that way to something yeah, as simple I, as a trailer. I was shocked how quickly, I mean, because I'd read the book and it's still fresh in my mind, how quickly I, they would start, like, you know, they cut to a scene and within the first second, like, I'd be like, I know exactly what that is. I know exactly what, where that takes place in the novel. And then they cut and you're like, oh, you just, you cut right there and you son of a bitch, you didn't let it play out. So, Yeah. That's why I'm 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 excited to to see this. I hope among you know I just hope 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 that they do it justice. And from what I've seen, it looks like they have. So yeah, when it comes out, I'll definitely try to binge this thing. But it's on HBO, and HBO is a habit of releasing not all at once. Yeah, we, it's going to be a weekly thing. Do we know who the uh, the author is? Did or did I just uh, miss you talking about the author? Oh God, I can't remember the author. Emily. Name. John Mandel. Uh, St. John Mandel. Okay. Emily St. John Mandel. Emily St. John Mandel. I do not know of her or Canadian. any of her. Okay. But 
raves from <laughs> from Trevor's just on the seeing the trailer. Yeah, whatnot. so that's I know it, the, the book itself won several awards, like the big ones, like the Arthur C. Clarke Award, because um, it was just like a, a, just a really. I mean, the circumstances, yes, but it's the the way the characters are written. You instantly get sucked into their lives, and you want to see where they go. So, okay, so as long as they can pull that off. Yeah. Smooth sailing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. And we're just going to end off our little uh, trailer uh, coming attractions with the, uh, I guess it would be more of a teaser trailer for, um, because we don't actually have a release date yet of uh, Stranger Things season four. Now uh, we're basically uh, jumping a little head in timeline, which is, which is a good thing because these kids are going to start growing up anytime soon. And as we can see from this trailer, some of them have really grown up. Um, we now know that Eleven has moved out with um, to California with uh, Toby and oh Ronona Ryder because I can't remember the mother's name uh, to yeah. California and uh, she's trying to live out her uh, life. Uh, she's uh, writing back to uh, oh great I was just about to call him Trevor because right. that's his name in Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> what's his name in Stranger Things? It, oh no, is, is it Mike? Yeah, it's Mike. It's Mike. Yes, oh, it's Mike. Mike. Yeah, it's the one. Yes, Mike the kid is from Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will right, is right, the right. one who's right. Will, Will, Will. Yeah. So, um, so she's writing to him saying, "I can't wait for spring break to come back," and then she's having a tough time. And then we get a mishmash of like, "Ooh, things going wrong and whatnot, and explosions and doors in the middle of the desert and whatnot, and it gunfire and exactly, yeah, and it looks very Stranger Things ish." Um, to uh, also uh, put onto the actual thing about it is today, because of the release of it, uh, we got um, what they are calling Stranger Things Day for Netflix. And we actually have this uh, release of a couple of uh, General Mills serials that are actually purchasable through Netflix. Uh, they're going for about uh, 17 bucks a box. And we just have alterations on Lucky Charms, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and Cheerios. Um, if you look at the video version of this uh, conversation, you'll see what we're talking about. But they've inverted uh, like the General Mills symbol. Cheerios is written upside down. Uh, you have different uh, free things like you can win a toy van offer from uh, Lucky Charms and uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The bowl is actually upside down and there's a, uh, uh, a, a, a tokens. You can get some five dollars worth of tokens from the uh, video game. Arcade, and the, there's even the cinnamon shaker and the the, the, the thing beside it is the demogorgon. Yes, smiley. the demogorgon. You're right. You're right. I, I, I just looked, I just saw that now. And yeah, so it's it's kind of a cool thing. You can actually win a shopping spree at the uh, the, the the mall from uh, the Court, no? third season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because apparently they reopened it after the disaster of the previous. And it looks uh, like it's, it's Russian writing on the. The Cheerios Why? Box. So it is now that that comes up. Yes, it totally is. Yeah. Let's see. And if, if you look at the the Lucky Charms, that is the old eighty style. It is the logo. old eighty style. Yep, yep. Oh, and it has Christmas lights uh, coming off of Lucky's spoon, which is kind of neat and, to and see. And he's holding a D twenty. And he's holding a D twenty. Oh, that's amazing. That yeah. is on the Debbie Gordon the is the clover. The yes, that is so, so yeah, cool. They, they've really. And if you look wow. at the bowl itself underneath, that's the 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 mind flayer 
Oh yeah, so it is in the sky. Yeah, the drawing in the sky. That is fantastic. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, they that's went fantastic. They went them. all out for that. Well, I mean, it's Netflix and it's their bread well, and butter. So. And and nothing says it's for kids like mind flares. Crispy sweetened two plain cereal. Yeah, there you go. Ah. <laughs> it, it tastes like cinnamon toast. That is uh, that is really cool. So yeah, they did a they did a great job on that. Again, go to Netflix and you can buy this stuff. So. Yeah, I don't think right. I'm doing that. Yeah. Well, this is something I'd like to do a future podcast. Just do a deep dive into Stranger Things because I could go on and on about the things I absolutely loved yep. and the things I absolutely hated. So we should put that in the future show card sometime. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, no. I will probably do something a little closer to the actual release of the fourth season. Yeah. I mean, that'll also give us all time to either rewatch or catch up or whatnot if we're in, if we feel that that's uh, necessary. All right, so that brings us to the end of uh, our uh, coming attractions. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about uh, a couple of other things that are happening uh, on a lot of television and movies and all that. Um, to start off with, um, as everyone knows, like I said, this is the 6th of November, uh, 2021. And uh, this week, um, Marvel Studios released, uh, the MCU released their latest movie of, uh, that uh, they released, uh, The Eternals, theatrically. Uh, it's not being streamed anywhere else. It's being released theatrically. And um, we're going to state right now that uh, due to circumstances, whoever has whatever excuses and all this, this is probably one of the movies that we ourselves as a collective are probably going to end up skipping just because of situation. I mean, if we have a chance to see it, we'll see it. But none of us are really going to. I, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I apologize if I am overstepping my bounds and all that. But I don't believe this is one that anyone was really too keen on seeing because i think i don't know what do you guys what do you say about this you're going to weren't you Gavin? yes uh, amanda has uh, been very very gung-ho about seeing this uh and uh, i'm yeah. i'm intrigued by where yeah. or what it's going to going to tell um i mean moments, the eternals i don't know too much about the comic incarnations yeah. of them uh, so Marvel's taken a huge uh, like leap of faith with uh, basically telling it a completely brand new story. Uh, reviews coming in seem to be uh, kind of a mixed bag. People are either really liking it or really not liking it. So uh, I feel like I'm probably uh, I'm probably going to be one of the people who who sees what they're doing and uh, enjoying it, but. Um, I'll obviously have to wait until watching it, which is hopefully going to be next week or so. Um, I mean, let's face it. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was yeah. nobody knew who that who they were. Yeah, no, that's, until, a, that's a great example. Yeah, I, I don't expect this to be like one of the best Marvel movies I've ever seen, um, but I will say that they have yet to not entertain me. If that's uh, if that's a, the the a way to describe it, but I have to fold. And uh, I, like I've said, I I I would like to see this movie, but unfortunately, the way things are nowadays with like limited seating or availability and whatnot, uh, I if I get to see it, I will see it. I definitely want to see it. If I have to wait until it comes on to Disney Plus, then I will wait till Disney Plus. I mean, like for it is like the rest of the group here has seen uh, Shang-Chi and because uh, they were able to see it in the theaters. I unfortunately am waiting until, you know, Disney 
plus day when it gets released on Disney plus to be able to watch it. But again, if that's what I have to do, I, I want to see this movie because I know it is the next one. And the other thing is the nice thing is I know there is going to be some time between this and the next MCU movie. So yeah. it's not like I'm going to be missing out on anything like time wise. Cause the next MCU movie after this is uh, um, Dr. Strange. And that's what, not until March, uh, May now, because it got moved off. So I've got some time before I have to see this, if it has anything to connect with, because I highly doubt it's going to connect to Spider-Man. That's for sure. So, but if it does, I got to be so. When when uh, does Spider-Man come out? uh, December 17th. 17th? Yeah. Whatever that Friday is. So yeah. 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 So that's, that's the next MCU movie. Yeah. Well, I meant, yes, I, I highly doubt the Eternals is going to be connected directly to because it's technically it's a Sony Marvel movie. So that's what I meant. Like I could see anyways. Um, yeah, for myself for this one, yeah. I just haven't seen enough in trailers to captivate my attention. This is one I'd be happy to just wait until other people see it, hear the feedback, see if there's anything really important to watch in it. You know, if I can just get the Coles Notes version or the Geeking Off the Page recap, you know, that'll be enough for me. Unless everybody says, no, guys, you're really missing something important here. You have to go see it. But otherwise, I don't think there's enough that's been shown in the trailers or teasers or anything else that has really got my attention to make it worth the trip to the theaters or drive-ins or whatever. All right. So that being said, uh, go for on. me, if, if if I had to, you know, if I could see go see a movie this November, if I had to pick a movie, I'll, I'll go see Ghostbusters first. Mm-hmm. So same. And after that, I'd see Encanto because um, the thing is, is, I want to take the girls to see that, but I can't until they get their their vaccinations. I don't want to risk it, so um, I just have to wait. It's life, I guess. What we're going to do is we're going to move on to our next uh, subject, um, and that is going to be, um, actually, um, I'm just going to throw in something really quickly today, that um, today was the uh, release of uh, the 20th anniversary release of uh, 24, the the good old um, Keith Sutherland TV series and all that. And today they actually had, uh, for charity, they had an online, uh, basically convention. It was all Zoom meetings and it was like several different um, like panels, which was kind of cool because they talked to uh, directors and writers and a lot of the cast. Um, The composer was all there and all that. And it was actually quite an entertaining, like six or seven hours worth of this. Nine. Nine hours. There you go. Nine hours. Because Adrian saw a good, like, 90% of the whole entire thing. (laughs) And it was actually kind of neat to see all these and hear about all the making of this groundbreaking TV series from 20 years ago. Now, I don't know how much of you guys were a fan of the series. I I watched some of it. I always had the question, though, because... Each episode, they had the, 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 the clock running. And I was like, That's how when does he stop to go to the bathroom? Like, it was that why he was so angry? Because he's just been holding it that long? Really constipated. It's just, it was just like, Jack, take five minutes for yourself. Did they just ever like, run Depends ads on that TV show? <laughs> it was just like, buddy. Definitely not laxatives. That's, that's why you're angry. But uh, I... I 
watched the whole entire series. Um, Adrian was is a huge fan of it and a huge fan of Keith Southern and all that. And of course, uh, it was a groundbreaking TV series, the way it was shot, the way it was done together uh, through this whole entire day, found out different things about it, how it was actually shot on like video, but it was done with a dual camera and how they would have to coordinate so that the cr- cameras never crossed over each other and how everything was put together and how um, they didn't know from week to week who was going to be uh, <laughs> going to be like either killed or introduced or turned into a bad guy um they were talking to one of the um the casting directors how she was given the script one day and had like four days to cast all the new characters and not be able to tell those people okay in next week's episode you're going to be killed or in five weeks from now you're going to be jack's best friend which means you're going to be killed or uh you're going to turn into the bad guy in like 10 or you're going to come back two seasons from now or something like that. So it was just a fascinating way to see how this show was put together. And it was just a fun time. And the great thing is it was all done for charity. So it was kind of cool how it was, what was it? Operation Operation smile, Smile. which was kind of nice to see that sort of thing being done. So it was, it was definitely $30. There you go. Adrian's says it was well worth the $30 that she paid for charity, which was kind of neat. So um, that being said, we want to move on to um, uh, a, a project um, I'm going to be calling uh, Theorizing Time Travel. And it's something we're going to bring up every once in a while. But I just want to talk about how uh, last uh, week, last actually Sunday, which was Halloween, and the uh, new uh, season of Doctor Who uh, premiered. Now, this is the uh, second to last season for the 13th Doctor, which so is nice. being played by... Uh, Jody uh, Jody Whitaker, and um, she is introduced in. Uh, we're introduced to a new companion that is introduced to this series, and um, it's just it's kind of a cool thing. They're uh, they're basically it's an abridged season this year. It is actually only going to be six episodes, and you can tell it's going to be a uh, a well done series because. Um, it looks like the budget is being used from what is usually a 12 episode season is being put into the six episode season. And from the first season, for the first episode, we're introduced to a new alien race. We're introduced to uh, the weeping angels are in this. And it looks like this whole entire season is going to be a six episode arc. So it's going to be more like the classic doctor who, where you have to watch several episodes to get the full episodes together now obviously they're hour-long episodes that are not like the 15 minutes that are all chopped up like the classic and all that but the feel and the look of it are really cool and uh, we also have information that um next season is only going to be two movies that are going to be with uh jody as the 13th doctor and then in 2023 uh the original guy who brought back the reboot of um Russell T. Davis. Russell T. Davis is becoming the uh, the uh, showrunner again, which that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. And that also puts him into the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. So Russell T. Davis will be responsible for writing the stories for the 60th and as well the 60th anniversary episode. And as we know, 10 years ago, when they did the 50th uh, anniversary episode, we had a nice uh, David Tennant and uh, Matt Smith 
working together with, uh, with a really great story and all that sort of thing. So that's uh, pretty much the fun sort of thing. Um, oh, we're also introduced to uh, the, the oh no, I got to look up the name because I cannot remember what the name of them are. The potato head guys, Solarians, uh, Solarians. I, I knew it was a Solarius. Yes, no, the Sontarians are back into this. All right, so we're gonna follow up on something else from uh, next week, and uh, we're going to uh, actually do um, a revisit to the uh, world of Dune because uh, this past week uh, one of our fellow actually was able to see it as well. And um, Gavin, how about you talk about your experiences with Dune? Why don't you go ahead and start that? And the great thing is, me and Trevor won't talk over you. Go. No promises. Well, I uh, I saw it last uh, Saturday. Uh, this was uh, this was a movie that uh, Amanda was almost resolute in not watching for a long time. Uh, she only got uh, was only convinced by a coworker of hers who said there was pretty much like a seminal uh, seminal uh, piece of science fiction, uh, and that the uh, this was possibly one of the best translations of the book uh, he's ever seen, and so she finally agreed to go see it with me. Uh, I I have to say the uh, after. Uh, Having read the book more than a more than a few times back uh, back in the day, uh, this more than exceeded my ex my expectations. The, uh, the the majesty of the world of Dune, uh, the house uh, the the houses all sort of felt you know the, this this bigger than it is or that than that or bigger than life kind of uh, kind of feel. Um, it, it finally gave the best interpretation I, I, I've seen of the book. It finally did the book real justice. Uh, I was I, all the, the casting was all per, was all spot on. Um, even the, even the kid, I was a little little hesitant about the kid, uh, but he 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 pulled uh, he he pulled it off like like incredibly. Um, I, I think my only real issue with that movie was the fact that Duncan didn't need to die. He, uh, he, 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 he could have just sealed up the doors and gone with them. But really it, it, uh, it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, the, 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 uh, the sandworms were even more monstrous than anything has led me to to to, to believe in uh, either the, uh, the the original movie with you know with Sting and uh, and John Luke Picard and then the uh, the BBC uh, series yeah I mean it was TV quality level you know CG back when it was released I think it was the nineties or so so it was it was pretty yeah it was so so for for the for the visual effects. But these, uh, this, this incarnation of the sandworms was just, just unbelievable. Felt insignificant in comparison to them. Even the, uh, 
even the technology, it just just the the sheer size of the ships, the sheer uh, like the, the the spectacle of seeing this gigantic like mass just descending from the sky and landing, it it just felt like uh, uh, the, the the technology was 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 fully fully embraced. In short, I, I I really liked it, and I'm so happy there's a sequel coming. Or rather, not sequel, part two. You've read the books, right? Yes. Was there anything missing that you wish was in the movie? Or were you, were you happy with the way it turned out? I, I think... As far as story it, and... I think I, I, w- I was as I was as happy with the story as I think is would be feasible without turning into like a like a four to five hour movie where you know you'd need to hook up your 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 own uh, your own still suit to in order to re- recycle your urine. That's not a bad idea. They should have marketed that with the movie. That'd be great. The, the Dune catheter, now included. Just keep recycling <laughs> your Pepsi. <laughs> Mm. Still warm. Probably tastes better too. <laughs> I didn't say Coke for you, Troy. I know. I know. And that's why I said the Pepsi would probably taste better. Now, I will I will admit it has been a while since I've I've read the books. Oh, uh, I've been meaning to revisit the books and uh, I'll probably do that over the ne- over the next uh, couple of months or so. Uh, I've got like the entire uh, the entire library of dune sitting on my e-reader right now so <laughs> it's uh it's a little daunting to c- contemplate it but uh i the all of the main major points that i remember being very important in the book were were there and i can't i don't recall if there was anything that was that was outright missing uh although i, I do remember the uh the 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 creatures in the tanks that from uh from the the, the, yeah, the, the first movie, yeah, the navigators. I thought I thought that was something uh, that they, they could have at least as a sort of a you know a world flavoring thing. Mm-hmm. They could have. Although technically, have... they're not brought in until the second book. Like they're talked about, but you don't really see them, or you don't get a description. Yeah, but they aren't described until uh, yeah. the second book. And one thing decide. that I'm really looking forward to for anybody that's read the books, two things if they keep going with this movie series. The God Emperor, Leto II. I mm-hmm. want to see what that looks like. And chair dogs. I really want to see a chair dog. <laughs> did, did we see a chair dog in the David Lynch version? No, I don't think no, so. No, they don't show no. up until later books. Okay, gotcha, I gotcha. Now, do we also, uh, are we aware of uh, information that I think I heard on Kevin Smith's podcast about how... Uh, he wanted to make this a trilogy, so he wanted to make two more movies. So, yeah, I think well, he wanted if, to turn this into a trilogy. So, if I mean, that's the case, if the hours? next movie is the second half of the book, yeah, and then the third part is the second book, yeah, because I think he that doesn't could really work well because that shows the tragic ending. Yeah, and I think he also yeah. mentioned that they start to get a little too spacey, like a little too like abstract sort of thing and he doesn't think he can pull that off but he definitely knows that he can at least pull off two more movies of using information from the books but yeah so so we might get a trilogy out of this particular thing and if there's a conclusion after the end of the second book then 
that might be what we get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So um, everyone's all caught up on that then? Oh, 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 Mr. Mr. Brown has a finger up asking for something. I have a point. Um, so I, I had mentioned last week um, comparing the, the new dunk to the old dunk um, because the E is not really that well defined. Anyway, um, I preferred Lynch's vision of the opulence. Um, so like in the, in the new Dune, as I said, at one point, they're being followed. She, the, the one character is being followed by a light, and it's just, it just looks like a disc, like a the, the, the flying donut. Um, and so I have a screen grab from. Oh, that's good because we could not remember what the hell these look like from the Lynch version. And that was the Lynch version. It's like this super fancy looking. I'm not seeing an image. You're not seeing an image. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me, let me check the screen share. These things are never. Let me one check. Uh, Your screen came up, but it was just a black image. All right. Um, you see that? Is there anything? No, it's still black. Like I think it's probably the copy that? protection. Oh, is it probably copy protection? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, probably. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can actually. Actually, you can see it in the little thumbnails at the bottom. That's a workaround. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, we sort of can see it there. Yeah. Um, Oh, I see. You're actually trying to play the movie. That's why. Oh, yeah. No, they're yeah. definitely not going to let you do that on a screen share. Yeah, especially yeah, HBO Max. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the yeah it's, it's the the like the the floating light has like you know like these big brass wings. It kind of almost looks like a flying creature, um, and it's got the lights spinning underneath. It's not like a, a flying illuminated donut. Um, and there's just little things like the the emperor's palace, like his his throne room. It looks opulent. It looks lavish. And then in the the more recent Dune, Villeneuve's Dune, I, again, I, I reiterating, he, he seemed to him and the cinematographer seemed to fall in love with these large, you know, environmental shots. You know, Dune itself. The, I mean, the movie itself looks so gorgeous. I I, I think this movie's gonna win hands down when it comes to cinematography but i don't get the sense of you know this is like a you know a ten thousand year um or five thousand year uh uh empire sort of thing going on because it doesn't look like they've they've been around long enough they've they haven't fallen into that state of decadence where you know like like in the, in, in the uh uh what's his face raban when he's seated with uh, uh harkonnen or harkonnen um in the, the the lynch version where he's got that little creature in the the thing and he squishes the creature and then drinks the juice out of it and then just casually tosses it away it's i mean it's a quick throwaway scene a quick throwaway item but it shows that level of you know such extreme wealth that they don't care you know everything is a throwaway to them even life itself um, as long as it's not theirs. So, and I, I thought th- they captured some of that feel where he's picking out at the table where he's talking to the Duke, but it's true. It wasn't quite the throwaway. It's not like dumping the water on the floor. Yeah. You know, yeah. And- it's, it's not like ripping open the still suit and saying, you know, the desert, let him go to the desert, like let right. the desert, like it lacked that sense of, you know, like the ultra rich where they have no concept of what people need day to day to survive because, it's so far beneath their their thought process. It's 
that's what this movie lacked in terms of like dealing with like the, the Harkonnens and the emperor, like the Atreides seem to be more in touch with their, their, their people and, and their needs, but the Harkonnens should be the exact opposite. They don't care. You know, as long as their needs are being met, they don't care what, what it takes for other people to make those needs being met. So that's where I felt like things were kind of, it was missing. And then we've discussed the scenes that were missing, like the, the big dinner party scene the 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 fact that you know and uh, as much as i love the designs the harkonnens need red hair because that help that's i, I mean, agree in the books they, even if it's just eyebrows just they, at least they go on about the you know the the infamous red hair of the harkonnens and then they kind of subtly mention that you know lady jessica the consort has red hair and then you learn later that you know she's actually you know, the daughter of, of Vladimir Harkonnen. And spoilers. So, yeah, spoiler. Um, so it's it's little things like that because you learn about the breeding program and, and what the Bene Gesserit had, you know, who who ha- they had to, you know, get the various genetic material from to to make the, the Kwisak Haderach. And that it's, it's missing from this film. And I felt it was such a shame because they went to such great lengths to include so much to make it look like this enormous visual spectacle. The soundtrack's amazing. They had a great cast, but I felt like they just, they missed little things here and there that, you know, as I said, the editing, they could have really tightened up scenes and had time to put in the dinner scene, have time to put in the, the suspicion of Jessica as the betrayer and stuff like that. So. Now, me and Trevor already talked about all this, but what did you think about what Trevor said, Gavin? I thought they, uh, I, th- I thought they embraced the the decadence, the uh, like the 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 sheer spectacle of this civilization uh, rather well. I mean, the entire uh, the, the entire commanding of uh, Duke Atreides to take o- take over Dune, like giant ship that that door almost dwarfs the palace lands, a procession of people, no idea what they do. All we know is that it's, you know, the royal consort is the one who's basically going to say, you've been instructed to take over uh, Dune. Like, just the sheer pomp and and magnitude of this. There, it was just drip, dripping with, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a, an instruction made by someone who expects his will to be done. No matter, it doesn't matter if you can't, it will be done. I just felt like, like there's just so so much pomp and spectacle to that entire proce- process that it really, to me, it really spoke volumes for the, the sheer, you know, the decadence of, of, of this entire empire. Why, why send this entire thing when a one-man ship could have done the same thing? For, for the sheer majesty of, of showing how powerful they are compared to everyone else. And I, I just I just felt that 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 just oozed its way through the entire uh the entire movie all righty then so i still want to see chair dogs yes i want to see (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh, we're going to move on to our next uh, thing and we have a new category uh that we're going to be talking about and i believe i'm gonna put this uh ball in uh, mr kitchen's court because he's the one that came up with this idea why don't you talk about uh, what we're about to do here mike all right so new segment the top 10 movies of all time 
according to geeking off the page. Now, the reason I was thinking about this is because sometimes we tend to talk negative about certain things coming up and movies and all that. So I thought it'd be fun to have a forum where we can talk about some real positive things. And what better than the absolute top 10 favorite movies that each one of us has. And because, you know, we've been working in film and video games, we've all studied animation, we've all been involved with fandom. So all this stuff is in our blood. And because we've been watching this stuff and influenced by this stuff through our entire lives, I knew all of us have some sort of rank hierarchy on what is the most important films to us, the best films to us. And I'd just be really curious to see how this plays out between the four of us. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of films that are duplicates on the list. So one person will talk about it one week. Someone else will talk about it the next week. Uh, but we can still find different things to pull from it, whether it's personal experiences or just the different things that make it part of the top 10 list. So we present to you the Geeking Off the Page Top 10. And the inaugural one we're going to start off with, the number 10 num movie. So uh, again, we're going to start with uh, the gentleman who came up with this idea. So go ahead, Mike. What's your number 10? So... My number 10 movie on my top 10 of all time is True Romance. And this is a movie that I did not see coming. And I'm pretty sure we watched it during one of our Freak Pit movie sessions. I forget what it was. I didn't rent the movies, but I remember someone in the group had rented a stack of movies. It was going to be a movie night marathon. And I walked into this one and was like, what the hell is this true romance? What is this romance novel? Like, I did not know what to expect with it, but it ended up becoming one of my favorite films of all time. I mean, it's probably the only romance movie on my list, but it is definitely one of the greatest crime movies as far as I'm concerned. So this was released in 1998, September 10th. It was directed by Tony Scott. So the director that gave us movies like Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2. And the writer for this one was Quentin Tarantino with assist by Roger Avery, who was uncredited. And all through this movie, there's so many things that make it stand out compared to other movies. First of all, like the all-star cast. So every single character in this movie, whether it's a secondary or tertiary character, there's a depth to it that is unlike most movies. So obviously we have Christian Slater as Clarence and he's the ultimate freak pit action hero. He works in a comic book shop. He likes to go to late night Kung Fu movies. And, you know, it's someone that coming from our lifestyle, our interests, it's a character that's immediately relatable. And he's got this imaginary friend, Elvis. And you know that's something that you don't see coming in a crime story. So obviously played by Bill Kilmer. And it's interesting that you get an actor of that caliber who's kind of blurred out and in the background, kind of walks in in an Elvis suit and just disappears. And then Gary Oldman as Drexel, Christopher Walken, you know, as one of the ultimate gangsters of all time. You know, Samuel L. Jackson, you have Nick Fury who just gets blown away by a shotgun. You know, James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano is just beating the crap out of Alabama, right? 
So throughout this entire movie, the amount of characters and the amount of story, it's mind-boggling, especially when you're walking to this movie not knowing what it is and what you're going to get out of it. And speaking of Christopher Walken, here's a fun fact. So the first thing that I ever said to my wife was at a Halloween party as part of the Christopher Walken speech said, who am I? I'm the Antichrist. You've got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven you've never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. At which point her twin sister says, oh, my God, he said he's the Antichrist. And a year and a half later, we were married. How does that work? I have no idea. <laughs> but then as the story goes on, you know, he has to go up against Drexel to free his wife from her pimp, end up with the drugs, end up going to California to sell it to the people in Hollywood. Because, of course, he's got a friend who's trying to be an actor in, Hall- in California, in Hollywood. And this part is interesting because it mirrors part of my life. And the fact that, you know, you're in... Well, in our case, we're in Toronto, but it's like, you know, Northeast Coast, and then your adventures take you elsewhere. So again, for myself, ended up in California and wasn't trying to sell drugs in Hollywood, but we were doing a lot of crime stories and crime things as far as entertainment goes. So now I draw a connection to that. And then as the story plays out with the Mexican standoff at the end, Again, it's a classic Quentin Tarantino, but it's filmed in a way that only Tony Scott could do it. Like, whereas Quentin Tarantino's, it's a lot more grunge. It's a lot more B-movie, but Tony Scott brings that polish to it. So it's the first fusion, you know, of this type of film where, I, I know, for me, I haven't seen one like it. Tarantino hasn't done quite like it. And I haven't seen another crime drama with the same intensity. And one interesting thing with the story is it's one where the changes made, I think, made the story better. So obviously, if you look at the Tarantino script, Clarence is supposed to die. And there's a DVD release that shows the, um, the outtake or alternate ending. But having him survive it, I think, in the spirit of a romance movie, makes it better to have him survive now the alabama was supposed to hook up with mr white and reservoir dogs um and he even mentions her in reservoir dogs but you know you can easily make her up your own story about what happened with that so anyways i consider this the most ultimate romantic crime movie of all time and that's why it makes my number 10 spot on the top 10 of all time all right. I'll definitely admit I was not expecting that Very one good. to be on. Yeah, yeah. But again, yes, it was. It was one of those nights that that's how I think a lot of us discovered those types of movies. We just a group of us just sitting together. And again, you're right. There was a stack of movies that night and no idea who it was that had rented Look them. At him, eh? We had a video store downstairs from us and all that. Did we not? Yeah. Video 99. It was a video 99. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, it was a huge place. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, it's it was it was definitely yeah. I it, that was I think the first time that I'd seen it too. I did not see that movie in the theater at all, and yeah, it was a pretty good. It's a pretty strong. Um, yeah, when you mentioned the only romance on your uh, 
on your list. And I'm like, huh, wait, what romances do I have on mine? And <laughs> I think my number 10 is kind of a romance, but. <laughs> oh, another thing, speaking of box office movie. too, is this was an absolute box office bomb. Like it barely made back. It had a budget of 12.5 million and it made 12.6 million in the box office. But because it had such a strong cult following, once people actually saw it, you know, now it's considered one of the most classic crime movies of all time. And it has a killer soundtrack. Yeah, that it does. I guess I'm next. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Trevor, what's uh, your number 10? Um, so originally, um, I just started writing down all the movies that... that you know, resonated with me personally, or I had, you know, great, you know, and the list after, at the first edit was 34 films. And then I got it down to like 18 and now I'm down to 10 and it was a tough to get it to 10. Um, so number 10 um, is a black crime comedy, 1996 Fargo. Hmm. Um, this was a film that I remember when we were in college, almost having to beg people to go see. No one had any interest because like Fargo, what the hell is Fargo? And so I initially, I went by myself. Um, I went over to the, the Cineflex Odeon over by Toys R Us, uh, in a matinee, watched it, came home and was able then to convince some people to go see it. And so I was seeing it for a second time. A lot of people were seeing it for the first time. And a lot of people were like, man, why didn't you tell us to go see this film earlier? And I wanted to, I just, I was ready to, to start throwing some haymakers. I'm pretty sure I was one of those people. Yes, you were, Michael. Um, and Fargo for me is a film that every time it's on, I don't care what else is on, uh, unless it's the other nine on my list, I will stop and watch it. It is, to me, it is one of the best Cohen films. Um, it's smartly written. The acting is is stellar. Uh, Frances McDormand, she won an Academy Award for her her portrayal. They they nail the accents. Um, I actually spent some time in Minnesota, and yes, they they do sound like that. They really really do. Um, but the just the the twists along the way, and and like William H Macy. Um, is uh oh god what's his name jerry lundergarten lundergarten um he is just he so inept this is a man that you're like how is he not struggling to breathe because he didn't remember to breathe in breathe out like he just but somehow str manages to get his way through and the whole time you're just like oh god this 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 guy's just a you know he's he's an f up um but it's so entertaining and then you have steve buscemi as and uh Stormare, Peter Stormare, the, the the two hitmen and just beautifully done. And you've got so you've got the main plot that's going on of Lindergarten has his wife kidnapped because she's he's trying to extort money out of the rich father-in-law who owns the dealership and stuff like that um for eighty thousand dollars. And eventually the money keeps getting bumped up and so Frances McDermott's character, she is the uh, police chief, but she's also pregnant. Her husband is a painter who is trying to get uh, one of his paintings accepted as a stamp from, from the U.S. Postal. Um, so that's a little like side thing that's going on. Plus, she's got an old high school flame that's trying to like hook up with her. 
Um, it's just, you know, it's all these little threads, just in typical Cohen fashion, all these threads kind of twining together and splitting apart. And, and it's just, you know, the movie's going along and it moves at a very quick pace. The movie's like, what? Uh, I had it written down 98 minutes. So just over an hour and a half. And it feels like it's over like in a, in a couple of blinks, but the whole time you've got this rich story that's just been thrown at you. And it has one of the most iconic scenes of, so you've shot somebody and you've killed them. How do you get rid of the body? And what do they use? A wood chipper. Now, in some films, they would have kept that kind of just as like a sound effect, from maybe a shot of it and then a sound effect. No, no, they see you feeding, like some guys getting fed into the wood chipper. And it's, it's horrific. It really is. It was one of those moments. I remember sitting in the theater and I got the popcorn and I'm like, da, da. and you see the wood chipper and the spray of blood. And I'm just like, and the popcorn falls out of my hand and back into the bowl. I'm just like, no, that's uh-huh. one where I don't like horror movies, but I love that scene. Yeah. Don't I ask just, me why. I, I put the popcorn down. I'm like, I, I, I bravo. I just, I mean, that was, a, and by the time the movie ends, you know, all the, the the loose threads are all 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 wound up. We found out, like you know, what's what happened with the husband's painting. We found out what happened with, you know, the the, the capture of William H Macy's character is hilarious because again, just so inept. Um, and I just I just remember as I said, like I finished the movie and I was like, I I got to I got to get other people in this theater because I remember sitting in the theater and there was like maybe three other people for the the, the matinee showing and I'm like there's got to be more people seeing this movie, which is why I made it my mission. after I hopped back on the bus and got back to the apartment, I'm like, all right, you guys are coming with me. We're going to go see Fargo. And it was a bit of a fight, but I finally got enough people to go and, and good reaction. And then, yeah. And then, you know, this movie got nominated for like a slew of Academy Awards, won a couple um, in terms of box office. It's they spent $7 million to make this movie and turned it into a $60 million investment. That's a pretty good turnaround. And uh, yeah, as I said, this movie has that little, a little special place in my heart of just, this is a small movie, doesn't have to be some big blockbuster, just done right um, and done amazingly well. And the casting is spot on. There's not, I honestly could not think of any other, char- any other actors in all those roles watching the film. I, I don't know, this, this person you could swap up for that. Everyone is so perfectly cast. It's it's just it is the quintessential black comedy, a little crime film, and yeah. So that's my number ten. Yeah, that one's definitely high on my list as well. Probably the top Coen Brothers movie as far as mine goes. Question yeah, for I you: did. Yeah, um, what did you think about the TV series Fargo? Did you watch that? I did not, just because I didn't want to dilute my feelings for this film. Um, I just, I didn't want to risk it. I really didn't. It's, yeah. I look at it as, you know, watching a film and then, oh, well, here's a little companion film. I, I just didn't want to take the risk of it detracting from this film because it, it, to me, this, I said, this film is, it's a perfectly polished gem. It, it yeah. doesn't need any additions, any settings or anything like that. It's, it's perfect as it is. Yeah. Yeah. We watched the TV series and I was afraid of the same thing. And I do think it detracts from the movie. And I agree with you, like the polished gem, you don't need to mess with that. But um, 
as a side thing if you can detach yourself from the two i thought this tv series was pretty good i i'll agree with you trevor it was it was something that took me by surprise when i saw it um i didn't actually see this movie till a little later on i think i saw it around when the oscar buzz really picked up for the movie i i saw it on tv but uh yeah it was it was a surprising thing i mean I'd known the Coen brothers and their work and whatnot up to that point. But yeah, this definitely took me by surprise. Quite an enjoyable time. You know what? To tell you the truth, I, did, I, I would have said if, if, if you hadn't said how long the movie was, I would have, my recollection of the movie is there's so much story in it. It's a two hour movie for sure. Like, mm-hmm. but you're right. No, the movie flew by really, really briskly. And it, uh, and it's an attest to the Coen's, filming style and the writing style and it's a good thing that they did both they both wrote and directed this movie and that's you can tell how smooth it actually came across and yes i think this film is is a prime example of excellent editing yes get into the scene yes you you tell what you need to do to advance the story and then get out of the scene and get to the next one yeah yeah and that's what kept moving it along that's why i mean i remember watching it recently and thinking, you know, start of the movie and, and, and it's over. I'm like, that felt short. Well, like, and then look at the clock, an hour and a half. Are you, I, I thought it was a two hour and 15 minute movie. I thought for sure this was easily going to be like, you know, well over like 135 minutes. And it was like, that's only 90. Oh, how yeah, did they definitely. do that? And, 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 is, and again, like you said, it's packed with so much story. And it's, again, the cast is oh God, a phenomenal a thing. And yeah, and then and then the accents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) All righty then. So I believe we're going to move on to Mr. Gavin. And uh, Gavin, what's your number ten? Well, there's uh, there's definitely going to be some controversy around some of my 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 picks over the next few weeks. Um, I I based my uh, my top ten list on the wow factor for me the, the what what hit me what grabbed me is there masterful storytelling some of them i guarantee you absolutely not is there is is there great casting choices there's maybe some questionable ones is there i cannot but, wait but, for your list gavin this is going to be amazing i gotta hear i, I want to hear the whole list now <laughs> okay so my number 10 and brace yourself because this has never been on anyone's top 10 list before, I'm pretty sure. Transformers 2007. Yeah, see my, see my cats look at me like that. All right, went... so that concludes our actually run of uh, Geeking Off the Page. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, joining us here. And uh, But you know what? We're going to end this podcast now. Okay, I apologize, Gavin. We, we, we should not react this way, but... Uh, hey, he set on. this up. Okay. No, no, exactly. No, no you go. He on. revealed no. the gun in the room. He told us he was going to use it. That's masterful it was storytelling. It was definitely Chekhov's gun. That's for sure. So, you go on with Chekhov's transformer and tell us uh, what comes next. Chekhov's transformer. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So my number ten is uh, Michael Bay's Transformers 2007. Would you guys stop looking at me like that for fuck's sake? It's like it's like a car crash. 
So Transformers 2007 stars uh, Shia LaBeouf as Sam Witwicky, uh, Megan Fox as Michaela Baines, Josh Denal as Captain Knox. Um, again, this is something that I never thought I would, I would put in a top 10 list. Anything Michael Bay should never be in a top 10 list. But for me, there's, there's, there was just something about this that, that grabbed me. Uh, when I first heard about it being produced, uh, uh, it was being produced by Steven Spielberg. So there was this little part of me that was going like, uh, maybe it won't be a train wreck. It may, maybe it'll do it justice. Um, for me, it was the, the first time seeing Transformers done on the, on the, on the big screen, live action in a credible way with, with, with shape, with, uh, with weight, basically something that looked pretty much photorealistic that worked within live action. Because we've, we've all seen those, those commercials for the Transformers back in the day, where you see the kid standing there and just terrible CGI basically covers his face with, uh, with, with Optimus Prime's head. It was terrible, it was awful. There was, there was just no way that anything could, could, do, could, could do something like that on the, on the big screen. But somehow the Michael Bay's Transformers managed to give that sort of impact for me. Um, there's a few things that made it stand out. One is it, it, uh, it, it, it introduced Transformers to a brand new audience. Most people were, the, the old fans were all basically all Beast Wars was the, you know, the last good one. Maybe there were some holdouts for the, uh, for the, for the Armada, Energon, and Cybertron trilogy that questionable. But I mean, there was, uh, you know, it was all G1 people who, uh, who were basically not, there was nothing out there for them. And so uh, Transformers 2007 brought new, like there, there was nothing to draw new fans into Transformers without going back and watching like a lot of the older stuff. So with 2007, the, uh, you know, being Transformers being brought onto the big screen, a lot of, a lot of people were, were starting to take notice of the Transformers brand again. So without the money that came in from the, from the Bay Transformers movies, we wouldn't have a lot of the new stuff we have now. We wouldn't have had a lot of the, uh, the masterpiece stuff just because the market is, has started to really uh, increase the demand for it. And a lot of that, a lot of the movie stuff funded a lot of this, this newer stuff. Um, so the, uh, there, there's a lot of things that kind of really sat with me in this movie. Uh, watching Blackout, the helicopter transform for the first time, you know that that trademark kind of sound. That, that it, I, it just sort of hit me like right in the childhood. It's like whoa! And then watching this turn into like a like a robot stomping around a military base. It was it was just like this is may not have been exactly how I envisioned it, but this is what I wanted. Um, Seeing uh, seeing Bumblebee transforming for the f first time in front of Sam that 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 to me was just I my mouth was open through through that entire sequence uh, the the arrival scene when all of the Autobots uh, arrived on Earth watching uh, watching them all crash land on Earth and then you know scanning their new forms then seeing Optimus Prime himself transform in front of you like just all the bits and pieces moving as he as he's getting up onto his feet. And then leaning in close and hearing Peter Cullen himself voicing Optimus Prime. 
bam, that was like that was it. That was a two shot right in the gut for as of the childhood. I mean, absolutely not masterful storytelling. I mean, there there, there are plot holes you could drive a fucking Peterbilt through, and they did. The uh, you know the 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 the, uh, the quality of the acting, okay, yeah. There were some question performances, sure. Um, I I had a lot of fun though. This was basically all of the stuff that was in it, like the the, the weird plot twists, plotting uh, the 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 inconsistency in the story. Like there's a fight here and during the day, suddenly suddenly that same fight is taking place at night. The fuck is going on here? Typical Michael Bay shaky camp. All of this should be a shitty movie, but somehow the twelve-year-old me, a uh, twelve-year-old in me, was basically going, "This is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen." It was what I didn't know I needed. Now, this, the 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 various sequels, okay, Gong Show, absolutely terrible. I was but sure they're going to make the top nine to one spots. Absolutely not. They are absolutely not taking up those spots. I have much better movies than that. I mean, yes, the uh, the a lot of the designs looked like floating metal shards, kind of, uh, like move, moving in place. But they got, uh, to me at least, they got Optimus Prime bang on. It okay, I have felt- to ask you about this, Kevin. Um, wouldn't you rather have seen him as the toy, the red? rig with the flat nose absolutely i would have i would have loved to have seen that i wasn't in charge of transformers so unfortunately this is what we got but what they did do is they managed to make him uh they managed to make him an iconic optimus prime character i will say they got the voice right i'll give him that when they when they had the the original voice doing it yes uh but the thing is is that there's 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 very few designs that they got uh, spot on but optimus prime for me felt right it just it didn't feel like it was out of place i mean jazz ratchet ironhide it just didn't feel like they incorporated any of the g1 elements even bumblebee you know they they, they only got bumblebee right with uh, the, the actual bumblebee movie but optimus prime they managed to they they grabbed me and held held me uh, for the duration of the movie with their version of Optimus Prime. And that that was what kind of carried me through the entire thing. Here's a it's little, a, here's sorry, a little fun fact. Is I considered working on this movie. So we had just really? moved back from California. So wow. we are now in Toronto. And we're working on some terrible... Toronto animated films <laughs> and I heard they're finally making the Transformers movie and I'm as big a Transformers fan as Gavin and even when I was doing the comic book people would ask questions during interviews like oh if you could work on a property that's not yours what would it be often the answer was Transformers and damage control I think those would be the two I would like to take a crack at and try and turn into something but the problem with that is I had so much ideas stuck in my head of what the movie should be that when this one came out, I was kind of disappointed. But a buddy of mine that I was working with in Toronto, he did make the jump. So he left Toronto and went to California to work on this one. And I was so jealous for years until the trailer came out. It's like, oh, thank God I dodged a bullet on that one. 
I will give you. I will give you this, Gavin. Yes, um, for being a technically live action version of this, uh, visually seeing the first transformations are definitely mind blowing. They definitely went whole hog on that whole entire thing. Hearing original Optimus Prime's voice come through is yes, a spectacular thing um, on the big screen. It is, and again, you. I think you. We're talking about the target audience for this. This is definitely not our Transformers. This is a new generation of Transformers. And there are kids that grew up with these Transformers. These are the Transformers that they know. These are the overly detailed transforming things. Um, so I'll, I'll give it to you. That That is a definitely a thing. I mean, these are the Transformers. When you go to Universal Studios, these are the guys that are walking out front of the Transformers ride. It's... And for that movie to give us those characters, like those walk around characters are phenomenal. You've seen videos on YouTube all the time of them interacting with it. And they are live actors interacting with the, the guests and all that. And it's fantastic to see Megatron yelling at people and Optimus asking if people are there to help them fight the Decepticons and all that sort of thing. It's really cool to see that sort of thing. So my favorite part about your reasoning though, is the nostalgia. Like that's mm -hmm. one thing. And I'm sure with our movies that we're going to be saying, that's a huge part is when it punches you in your childhood nostalgia and you feel it, you know, that's a powerful thing. And yes, for you, if that's what it is, that's why I wholeheartedly like support that as being your top in, in your top 10 and for those reasons and yes that's the reason why i mean i've got dumb movies on my top 10 list that are dumb because they meant something to me as a kid or how i reflected upon them as an adult now so again and that's like, why i think this is going to be a fun exercise is because yeah. stuff will come up like this where it's something unexpected because yeah. again i know there will be movies that will be the same but and the know, thing is, be surprises. Too, uh, like I fully, fully recognize just how much of a letdown Transformers 2007 to the G1 fans. I get it. I understand it. I am that. But I was able to kind of when when the, the shit like Optimus Prime saying, uh, you know, like uh, I am Optimus Prime. You know, it's like, oh yeah, oh god, that's amazing. Or yeah. like, that that scene where where. Uh, uh, you know, Prime is holding on to the, the Sector 7 uh, like cars and going, uh, this is Optimus Prime, my friend. As a kid, how many fucking times did you want to be able to say that to someone and say, that's Optimus Prime right there. He's my, he's my friend. And that, was, that just hit me so hard. And again, I fully acknowledge all of the faults that are in it. Shaky cam. Fucking hold the camera still. Dust everywhere. Robot puke on everything. Okay, look, we had to wait until Bumblebee to finally see a good version of the cab over Optimus Prime. This is what it should have been right from the get-go. Okay, Ooh. sure, maybe maybe half the Autobot cast had thunder thighs. There's them some thick thighs. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but still, this is what it should have been from day one. Am I disappointed that we didn't get get that the first time around? Absolutely. But for what it was that we got, I think 
they managed to capture enough of the nostalgia for me that I actually enjoyed the movie. Now, Despite it, every single flaw, and there's lots. There's a little side note. Back in 2003, uh, one of the guys I, I was working with, huge Transformers fan, um, we were working in Maya, and he got he had basically asked me to, to help with some rigging things and he animated he modeled and animated a g1 prime fully transforming from truck up to, to full robot and he pulled uh sound clips out of the transformers animated movie um and had basically prime say that and he didn't have the lips he, he had the and it was just it, it's, you'd swear it was like a photo reel right from the Right from the cartoon, but a photo reel prime, and he actually used that as part of his portfolio to go get hired by ILM. And I talked to him shortly after Transformers came out, and all he could do is just say, "You won't believe what they did to it." And I was just like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You're going to have to wait and see," and that's all he would say. And I remember seeing, like, like in the studio with him, and he brought in, you know, he had burned it to DVD his his, his demo reel. And there was Prime transforming, and he had um, he had worked on a couple of different Autobots. He tried to do Starscream as well. Um, he had studied all the cartoons, trying to figure out, and he even had the toy. And he step by step figured out how the toy transformed to make it all work. It was gorgeous. It, was, it looked beautiful. So when I saw Transformers, and the first time I was like, "Wow, they they went with that design of truck instead of the the flat." No, okay. Um, and supposedly with that that the design uh, uh, in question for the Peterbilt truck, supposedly they were trying to use real world physics and, and, and dimensions. And according to what I read, the, the, uh, the, 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 over, the cab over truck would only transform into a robot that was around tw 20 feet tall. But if they used the mass of the Peterbilt truck, they could get them to be around, I think, I think they said it was like 30, 32 feet tall or something like that. That's specifically was the reason why. All I know is when I saw what, what Pete had done, it worked. You didn't you didn't question because we we took uh, still shots behind the studio, and so that when he did the the transformation sequence, he then composited in and had it transform, and we had the shadows moving the whole bit. It looked it looked gorgeous. Um, I had helped him with the tracking so we could try to figure out how to line up the camera. This is before some of the software that's available now that'll do the tracking for you and figure out the camera aperture and all that other fun stuff. Um, but he, he proved it was, you know, proof and concept. It worked. It, it, you believed it. Um, so that's why when I saw Transformers 2007, I was like, that's kind of an odd design choice, but that's fine. Um, and then turning, you know, Bumblebee from a Volkswagen Beetle to a Camaro. Okay. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Sorry, that's all I have to say about that. I know, I know. So that's why this film is, I mean, to me, it, it you know struck me with the second you see photorealistic transformers. I remember in the theater going, "Oh, this is," you know, my my brain had been safely turned off to to disable the logic for portion. The little kid in me is like transformers. So yeah, um, yeah, but th there's stuff I I just I couldn't get by. I'll also I'll also admit the first time that. <laughs> was happening in the theater i'm like oh my god i'm being surrounded by that sound this is the first time i've heard that sound this way and that was an exciting thing yes and again i i i was i had taken adrian's 
kids when they were young, her boys when they were young, to see the movies. Transformers. <laughs> and uh, we saw the first three movies in the theaters because the kids wanted to see the movies. Um, thankfully, by the time we got around to the fourth, they lost interest. Um, and we never actually went to go see the turtles in the theater either. But uh, again, I was there. It was. It must have been opening weekend, and you could feel the the thrill of the theater. There were people that were. Yeah, there was. Transformers movie was fun. Yeah, it was. It was a fun movie. It was a good theatrical experience. It was. Everybody was so excited. Um, and it was. It was palpable. Everyone was excited to see this because that all we saw was the trailer up to this point, and it had to have been the opening weekend that we saw it because it was early on. And yes, I can understand why one would enjoy the movie that they did and again it was made for a new generation it was definitely not for us g1 originals um but hey well, some of us it's, it's in your top 10 it's in your top 10 and yeah. that's a fantastic and i wholeheartedly support your reasons for it gavin good good for you good for you for t- standing out on a ledge like that I, I didn't i didn't say everything was like measured out with lot pure logic no, no. And again, and again it doesn't this, need to be. That's the thing that's I, fun about these I kind of films lists. in my list that, that make you go, really? And exact and again, like Mike had said, these are not the best movies. These are our favorite movies. Yeah. The This that, is the Transformers 2007 DVD release. Yeah. That actually transforms. Of course it is. <laughs> of course. Oh, as he's transforming it in front of us right now. All right. Well, this will be on. great for the video listeners, but for yeah, the audio exactly. ones, we'll just. There you go. That's about as quick as uh, you get a transformer to transform. That's that's very cute. That's very very schlocky as uh, oh, gimmicky. It's... Gimmicky is more of a better word. So yeah. All right. So, Roy, you're up next. I am going to say my number ten movie. Now I'm pretty sure Trevor knows what this is. Um, but, um, so this is a movie that came out, I believe this is the earliest movie on the list, uh, for everyone today. And this is, uh, was released on July 2nd, 1980. So, um, I know that I saw this movie at the drive-in for the first time and it was with, um, now I'm not hundred percent sure of what the double bill was, but I'm pretty sure it was either Superman two or it was Empire Strikes Back. So uh, one of the two was the, uh, this was the second feature of the two because the other one was the bigger movie. And of course, 1980, it was a big year for the big box office movies. Uh, This is a comedy that uh, again, like Trevor's Coen brothers is written and directed by a collective group. And that is uh, David Zucker, Jim Abrams and Jerry Zucker. So Zucker, Abrams and Zucker. And this is, Airplane. Yes. Now, this is... Um, Number 11 on my list. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is a movie from a, a troupe that has given us... I mean, this is still very, very early. And this is like their second, I believe, actual theatrical movie. Their first movie was actually Kentucky Fried Movie, which was released in 1977. Um, they went on to do Top Secret in 1984. Uh, the Naked Gun series that started the movie actually started in 1988. The TV series was before that they made. Uh, they also did the Hot Shots uh, movies, uh, which was 1991. Um, but uh, this is the movie that 
um, yeah. is the most highly quoted movie on my list. I, and I Surely have you must of- be joking. Exactly. <laughs> um, I am not, not joking. Don't and Don't call me Shirley. Yes, exactly. So it's um, a fantastically ensemble cast. And again, this is 1980. I am nine years old. Um, I'm not getting nearly half of the jokes, but I know that stuff is funny because my parents are laughing at the jokes that I'm not getting. There's a lot of visual gags. There's a lot of like funny wordplay that I'm getting. I'm getting that sort of thing. But even the stuff that I don't get, I am laughing at because I'm in a collective and it's a comedy in a group setting. Comedies are funnier because everyone starts to laugh. Like, even if you don't get it, you're like, that does seem like, and again, I'm nine. So, and I've just seen either Superman for the first time or Empire Strikes Back for the fourth time or something like that at this point. Um, But uh, it was, and it basically, it's a simple movie. And if you just read the synopsis of the movie, which is, which is, which is this, so Ted Stryker, a former pilot who's uh, a fear for flying, finds himself uh, burdened with the responsibility of uh, landing a plane safely after most of the crew and passengers fall sick due to food poisoning. Now that right out is a very straightforward, it is one of those, it's a disaster film. It's one of those sort of things. And it is actually, uh, uh, Zucker Abrams and Zucker basically got the rights to a movie called Zero Hour, which is this story. And they basically saw it one day while they were writing scripts and sketches and whatnot and saw it on a local TV show at like three o'clock in the morning. And they decided to buy, they wanted to see if they could buy the rights to this movie to see how it was available. And it turns out it was available. They paid however much they did for it and they got the rights to it. So now this storyline is theirs to do with. And if you've seen any of the other movies that I have on the list, you know what you're in store for. And this is, this is slapstick. This is um, like, this is depth humor. This is physical humor. This is prop humor. This is wordplay. This is everything that you can think of any sort of style of getting a comedic, point across is in this movie and um the way it it's it's a silly story it's a silly characters but it's also a nice thing where they get a good portion of the cast i would say of like 90 percent of the cast are actual serious actors you have like lloyd bridges you have uh peter graves um Robert Hayes at the time really didn't do much in the way of comedy at that point. Uh, he later on goes to be that because he can do it because he can play a straight man sort of thing. Um, you uh, have uh, uh, like like you have um, Leslie Nielsen doing his first comedic role, and again he plays a straight man. He just delivers line, and he is the surely you must be joking guy. Um, he is everything and it's it's so beautifully put together that it is a very dated movie it is very late 70s movie it but it has the feel of that type of movie of the disaster films of the air of the like like plane crash movies the the towering inferno the the whole entire 
the whole entire um, like feel of that, but in a comic sense, and it is so beautifully presented that it is like like it was said. If this movie is on TV, I am stopping everything I'm doing. I'm just sitting down and watching this movie. I mean, I have a copy of it digitally on my phone available to me for whenever I want to watch it sort of thing. I mean, it's one of the few ones I have. And again, every single, like, the best thing about this is every character is given a memorable line to, to quote, and it can come up anywhere. And you know that you know a fan when you say a line. And again, the Shirley You Must Be Joking is a perfect example for that. Um, and, Ted Stryker, 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 and then some woman gets punched. And it's like, it it's looked like I picked a bad day to give up smoking. It's looked like I picked up a bad week to give up sniffing glue. It's, it's that sort of thing. And again, the fact that they take these former serious actors, which are still serious actors afterwards and all that, and give them these comedic roles and they deliver it with such deadpan delivery that it makes the jokes hit even harder when they do. And there's only one character, and that's Ted Stryker, who is the only one that seems to realize that there's something amiss. But it's just, and it's beautifully done. And uh, Zucker, Abrams and Zucker just do, again, they continue on to do this sort of thing. But this is their, like, first huge hit. Um, I'm going to say that uh, I had a budget, and but anyways... It was a very small budget movie to begin with. And they ended up making like $75 million on this movie. And in 1980 movies for a movie that cost, I think it was maybe 15, 13, $15 million to make, to make 75 off a comedy is 3.5, 3.5. Whoa. Look at that. Even better. Look, look, I mean, yeah, look at that. Thank you, Trevor. I know I had it written down in my notes, but I turned the page to get the rest of my notes and it's over here somewhere but anyways and again it's stuck with me it's it's what shaped a lot of my enjoyment in humor and of course later on in life i start cluing in on those jokes that i didn't understand before just because i've seen the movie so many times and it's just it's basically one of the first movies that i enjoyed that i pretty much Again, it was something my parents showed to me, but it's only because we all discovered at the same time. A lot of my earlier comedy stuff was all stuff that my parents are like, hey, Abbott and Costello, Three Stooges, uh, like Laurel and Hardy sort of thing. Like that was the comedy that I knew before that. Uh, this is the type of comedy that led me to like uh, Mel Brooks movies and all that, which again, another one that has a history of I'm loving all of his movies. I've got from like 11 on, there's a couple of, Mel Brooks movies on here there's I mean in my top 20 there's again a couple of these like uh, for sure that um uh 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 top secret is in my top 20 um Blazing Saddles is in my top 20 and all that sort of thing. Well, I gotta so, jump in here too because the Naked Gun is the first David Zucker film that I saw and I, I will say that was a uh, massive influence for Spy Guy did the comedy cop you know the hard-boiled detective type thing huge influence and then the first one i saw in video was top secret i was way too young to be watching that movie but that one stuck with me to the point yeah. where i had to show my kids yeah uh, where eric is saying is like are you sure this is appropriate <laughs> probably not however yeah. it's like speaking of inappropriate 
I Kentucky finally Fried found movie. Yeah, Kentucky Fried I Movie. I found this on Blu-ray, not. finally. Nice, my, nice, uh, nice. I was so disappointed because my DVD copy, which I, I, I found somewhere, the layers started separating, so it was unplayable. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> oh, ouch. Oh, yeah. yeah but... So then when I, when, I, when I just randomly walked into a, like a, video, a used video store in Oakville, of all places, I walked in. It was just sitting there. I'm like, sold. Nice, nice. And again, and if you guys, if you remember, that's this is was the this is the movie that I watched shortly after my lung operation. So, not a good, not a good choice with the yeah, not a good choice with the laughing of laughter, and what amounts to be broken ribs, trying not to laugh too hard, which is proving very very difficult. Yeah. And again, this is this is a movie that can be constantly quoted, and again, I. I just love the hell out of this movie. It's just a fantastic way. And again, it's something that me and my parents, like, especially my father, my father was a huge fan of this movie and we would watch it almost every single time when it was on TV. And we would, I mean, it was also an edited for television version because of course there is some offensive language and some offensive situations. (laughs) So there's a lot of the movie that when I finally got a DVD of my own of it, I'm like, I don't remember this scene. I don't remember seeing this sort of thing. So it's, it's just, yeah. And so it's something that stuck with me and that's what makes, that's how it makes it into my top 10 as one of my favorite uh, comedies. In fact, my mother's. What was that? My mother's. My mother's name is Shirley, so you can imagine how often I quoted that. <laughs> I said, Jim never vomits at home. Exactly. He never <laughs> asks for a second cup of coffee. Yeah. My uh, my favorite. One of my favorite say gags in that entire movie. Well, there's two. What is the uh, the drinking problem? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, yep. throws the water behind him, and then the other one is uh, when when the entire like the. Uh, all of the passenger lining up to take a take a whack at uh, at the gr- at the girl who's uh, g- you know going uh, yeah. hysterical hysterical and they're all lined yep. up slap 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 and then as, the as it goes back the, yeah. there's a nun with the baseball four, bat the yeah, gun yeah, exactly it's and again it, it covers pretty much every single type of comedy you can have in this and it's it's beautifully executed it's stupid as all get out but it is so entertaining from the get-go to the i mean just hearing the voiceovers of the uh the white white zone is for the loading and the unloading conversation <laughs> between the men and the woman the man and the woman's voice that comes and they get the down. argument about it yeah exactly <laughs> and it's just and and this is again where trevor brought up a couple of weeks ago with the i'm going to give him 10 more minutes the gentleman in the taxi from the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. at the end of the movie still waiting for his now, i saw this movie on laser disc <laughs> That tells you how long wow. ago okay. my brother borrowed the laser disc from the Calgary Public Library, brought it home, shoved it in, and I remember my sister and I and my brother were all sitting on the couch just howling at all the jokes. And my parents come home and they're like, "What's so funny?" And we're like, "Airplane." And my dad's like, "Uh, I don't know." <laughs> watching that, I'm like, "We're on our third viewing," <laughs> and he's like, "Well, cat's out of the bag now." I mean. Not to watch it now. I think we, I mean, we probably watched that movie like twice a day for two weeks. I I got to the point where you know I could I could recite all of Johnny's lines perfectly. Yeah, I mean, the movie starts off with like a parody of Jaws, and this is like the year after Jaws was released, and so it's just it's just like not even a year after Jaws was released because it was like 
Oh, yes, it might have been a, a with July. Yeah, so it might have been five. So. Oh wait, what was I thinking then? Yeah, this came out in eighty. Right, 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 right. I was thinking, I was thinking Jaws was a little later on. But anyways, you still start off with a parody, and again, another great form of comedy and all that. So, that's our top tens. Well, our tens position number of 10. our top ten. Our number ten of our top ten. So tune in next week when we do our number nines. All right, so we're gonna move on to our next segment, and that is going to be our uh, weekly Adams. Adam asks. And uh, this particular week, we have the question posed from um, Mr. Adam as uh, saying, um, uh, talks abound with rumors of a third uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot and a second Babylon 5. Wouldn't that be Babylon 10? Um, Cinematic universes and reboots of once successful shows dot the media landscape. But uh, compelling originals uh, cut short, stay with us. That are cut short, stay with us. Um, what properties would you like to see retooled for modern audiences? What is successful? What is cut short? What's your Blake seven? If you know Adam, that's the reason why he used Blake seven. Uh, your, yeah, your space, uh, above and beyond or your firefly, uh, what deserves, uh, finishing and what needs to be retooled. So. What do you guys got in the uh, six? I believe Mr. Gavin Gavin Gavin's got his hand up. You know, you, this is a uh, not really a visual podcast, but go right ahead. No, I don't want to be. I don't want to be rude and interrupt. No, of course, you, no. On this podcast, you would. This is why you never talk, anyone. Gavin. This is exactly this is why. You, pretty much All right, exactly Gavin, get us. Okay, so go on, I've, Gavin. Come on, tell us what I've, you have I've to got say. A, I've got. Wait a second. Finished. I have another one that I'd like to put. No, dude, kidding. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you all. Hey. So I've got two. I've, I've got a. I got a two for here. I've got a, a. What should be finished and what should be rebooted. So what should be finished? Uh, I would love to see a, like a proper f- uh, ending for Angel. They yes, leave, that's they, a good they, one. they yep, leave it yep. on that that cliffhanger with yep. basically Angel and Spike and all of his friends all basically charging to, uh, against the army of, from hell, and that's it. And a dragon. Don't forget the dragon. Yep. I, oh, I, the I, dragon. I'm taking on the dragon. I'm going to take on the dragon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I could, I could even accept that like angel being re- rebooted as well. I mean, the rumors of the Buffy reboot happening is it still kind of swirl around, but uh, I would, I would love to just see an ending to that. Uh, now, as for reboots, um, it's, it's a bit of a cheat because it actually already has been rebooted once. Uh, I'm talking about V. Uh-huh. I would yeah, like okay. to see uh, this series rebooted by uh, one of the streaming services. Like, like get let, let's get a like a proper story arc. If they, they if they want to plan it for like three three seasons, two seasons, let's get a proper story arc that gives allows it to wrap up with a fully uh, like a fully well thought out, well rounded ending. Uh, the the reboot that happened, uh, I, I I did enjoy it, but honestly, there was there wasn't a lot that I really remember for, from it. It doesn't stick out the same way that the uh, the original like the 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 eighties series did. Uh, like watching uh, watching them eat the mouse for the first time, it's like oh shit, they're not human. What what's going on here? Like seeing the the, the skin getting like uh, like peeled away and seeing the, the reptilian scales underneath. 
you know, that, that those sort, sort of things for like the, the, the 1980s audience was just like shocking. It's like, what the hell? Um, see, seeing Freddy Krueger himself basically as basically Willie, you know, playing, uh, you know, one of, one of the, uh, the, the fifth column uh, just basically wanting to rebel against the visitors, you know, their, yeah, their, yeah. Uh, their, their, uh, you know, their plan to basically enslave and, well, process humanity as, you know, the, as big, big Macs or whatever. Uh, I felt the same for that. Uh, like what you're saying with the new series, I really enjoyed it, but it felt kind of empty, but the original series watching it as a kid and being terrified. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The, the, uh, the actress who played uh, Anna, um, what was her name? Um, the, the the leader of the, the of the the visitors. Just the way she played the the the, the lizard queen essentially was, uh, it it was so like alien. Like there there was her human face, and then there was her visitor face. And when she switched gears, like you were looking around for like a stick to basically like defend yourself against her. Like she was uh, she was just cold and and just terrifying that's what the new series lacked it lacked that sense of hidden menace you there was you didn't i mean they kind of like threw it right at you in the first episode hey they're they're both that they're out together it, it just they didn't let it build i remember you know as a kid watching v it was a you know a family event and they didn't reveal the whole you know humanity may not be this may not be the best step for humanity well into the first season yeah they well didn't... the the actual like the original miniseries was like three nights in a row and then yeah. v, v the final battle a year later was a two night episode and then they went into a single 13 episode series that continued on the story and yeah it was it was built up from that and that is again yeah the 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 soul of the original wasn't really felt in the remake there was a lot that they did in the remake the the reboot or whatever you want to call it the reimagining and all that which was kind of nice and unfortunately it also ended on a cliffhanger that didn't get a closing because they and actually enter like brought in actors from the original series to play new characters in the new series and it's like oh you can't leave us with like 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 donovan um mark singer gets brought in in the final episode gets brought into the final episode of the second season of v. v yeah we're talking about v i love that reboot yeah i i know but we're just talking about how it because we didn't get a final like a finale to it is no, what we're talking assholes. about yes because they were assholes exactly but uh yeah yeah there, there was never a satisfying like end uh end to it so like if they reboot it like put it like on Amazon, Netflix, probably not Disney, uh, um, <laughs> but whatever. Like what, wh whoever wants to is willing to pony up the bucks. There's there is something here that could be could be retold, and with a much better pacing to the story. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good that's a good point. And some sort of streaming service would be able to do a fantastic job to it. I believe the original was NBC, if I remember the advertisement properly, and I think it was. ABC that did the remake because I don't think it was ABC, ABC sounds sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, something else. I, I, I when I was kind of like doing my research on this, apparently they were supposed awesome. to be doing. Uh, they were saying that there was going to be a movie uh, uh, based off of V 
uh, back in 19, uh, in, uh, in 2018. Nothing's been heard of since. So it's this carrot kind of dangling a bit over everyone's heads, but not, there's nothing concrete. So I feel like Amazon, Netflix, whatever, they drive a dump truck full of money onto, uh, onto whoever owns the copyrights law, uh, like the, the, the name, back it up, dump it out there and say, yeah, we'd like to make this. All right. Um, anyone, anyone else got something uh, right off the top of their head sort of thing or? Uh... Uh, for myself, I'll go next if. Yeah, go right ahead. Anyone else is? Okay, and this is specifically for Gavin. Uh, the retooled series I would pick is Transformers. And like I was saying before, this is something that I'd been thinking about since 1984, how I would do a live action for this, how the characters would be. And because I put so much brain energy into it, I still would like to see that rendition of Transformers as a live action series. You know, like when I think of Bumblebee, I think of a little yellow Volkswagen who's, you know, got the cartoon style head, but transforms into a proper car you know when i think of optimus prime i'm thinking about the red cab truck like i want to see that and with transformers i had seen a bunch of people sort of like what trevor was saying where they're making their own transformers cg and i remember seeing an ultra magnus where it's just the white blue cab transforming in an alleyway it's like this is exactly what transformers could look like i remember somebody did a 3d devastator and it was cartoon accurate, except with all the details. And then for story-wise, I would want it to be in 1984. And you can see how that works with Stranger Things, right? That nostalgia value. Don't make it modern day. Don't do the modern cars. Bring it back to 1984 when the story should have happened. And I'd like to see some sort of Star Trek element to the story, where it's these robots landing on Earth, where they don't quite know what's what. Like They think the vehicles are the life forms. But no, it's these organic fleshy things. It's like, oh, that's strange. And so it's that Star Trek element of this is what humanity is. So the humans are trying to explain to the, well, the Autobots, what it, what it means to be human, right? There's so many classic moments in the original cartoon series. Of course, it was done kind of clunky because it was a toy commercial. But that could have brought in what we see from Star Trek, where you know Captain Picard is talking to the aliens, what it means to be human, what Captain Kirk is you know, expressing humanity. So where the Autobots embrace humanity, the Decepticons don't care. They'll just destroy it. And there's a scene in one of the Marvel comics, uh, the first time the Decepticons attack, where it's in a drive-in, and that's where Bumblebee gets wounded. So just imagine sitting in a drive-in. There's a bunch of cars that seem to be kind of moving on their own. Then it's attacked by fighter planes, you know, then these cars transform. Bumblebee, Bumblebee gets wounded and limps his way back and meets the Whittakies. Like, you know, those kind of story points, if you saw it in a movie, would be phenomenal. So anyways, that's my retool. As for as far as cut short, Firefly. Adam gave it away. But this is the one TV series that, I was late to people at work kept talking about it. It's like, Oh, it's the space show, but there's were so many space shows at the time that were just kind of crap. I didn't really pay attention. It's like, there's fight scenes, but there's no sound because it's space. It's like, well, that seems kind of boring. But then when I finally bought into it and watched it, 
I got so hooked. I was not as excited for sci-fi property as I had been since Firefly. And the fact that they stopped it when they did, like the story had just started rolling. You know, they just went a little bit beyond the space Western and started building the world and started getting to these really interesting elements. And it was just done. So I would like to see how that ended. And I was hoping we would get that from Serenity, but we didn't really get that from Serenity. And now that it's been so long, I don't think we could ever recapture it. So if we could have extended that back when it was at its first season and see where it goes, that's the one I'd like to see. Definitely a victim of the standard Fox protocol. Yeah. Either air the episodes out of order or wait until you know something preempts it or something like that. Uh, you're, you're right. It 100% got shafted terribly. I remember hearing about that. Um, There's some water world where they were talking about filming that one where, you know, like um, the back of the Firefly, you know, opens up and it's ocean and they're standing there. It's like, how could we not have seen that? Like, come on, at least give us a couple more episodes. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that um, there's, there's something on the line that once I heard about them, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a great thing. And there are basically two of uh, a little more on the darker side on that and that is um well they're retoolings of uh tv shows from uh back in the black and white days and we have um both uh tim burton who is doing a continuation of the uh, wednesday adams story uh which is currently going to be coming out on netflix soon and we got rob zombie doing the monsters and from everything that I've seen, it's all preliminary and all that sort of thing right now. But everything looks so far from these two. I mean, these two guys are perfectly suited to do these particular stories. Like Tim Burton doing a uh, basically uh, a grown up uh, Wednesday Adams, And um, again, Rob Zombie doing a reboot of the monsters and just looks fantastic right now. And, and again, we have sets, we have some costumes, we have some looks and all that sort of thing, but nothing else and all that. But this looks to be something fantastic. Uh, but when uh, we say something that, um, uh, like what what Mike said, Firefly, but uh, is, is another, is a perfect example of that. And then, yes, Gavin, what you said, how Fox was just like, they didn't believe in the series enough. They didn't figure it really mattered what, like they're, first episode they aired is the fourth episode and then they go back to the first episode where they introduce the characters and whatnot and it's like what is this this is destined to fail they really um, fucks it up they really foxed it up um but the one that i want to see a conclusion on which is a series that ended on a cliffhanger and that's a uh, uh, stargate universe Ooh. and this is one that um that again it's i've i've I saw the original movie, enjoyed that. I followed the 10 seasons of Stargate SG-1. Um, I followed the, the five, six seasons of Stargate Atlantis. And when they came out with this um, Battlestar Galactica-esque looking version of Stargate, where they're traveling on a ship through the galaxies, it's just like a fantastic thing. A great cast, fantastic cast. I mean... You got Robert Kyla, you got Ming, uh, Ming, Ming, uh, uh, Mulan's voice. 
Ming Na Wing. Ming Na Wing. Ming Na Wing. Um, you got um um. Uh, oh no, I'm blanking on names right now because it's way too late. Um, anyways, just a fantastic cast. Um, and we're introduced to a bunch of fantastic actors and all that too, but the series ends on a cliffhanger everyone is put into stasis and one character has to stay eli Eli, the main character that we're introduced that brings us into the series and he's the only one that is able to it has to stay awake to get the ship through this i can't even remember what they're trying to get past they're jumping from one galaxy to another right they're crossing galaxies yes yes without he's got to try to get a a a cryopod working because they're not there's there's none left except for the the one that's broken so he's got to try to figure it out get it to work otherwise by the time they get to the next galaxy and everyone wakes up he'll he'll have died yeah exactly and we end on that cliffhanger like it was a canceled in hiatus series which really sucks because they went into this figuring they were going to get a third season and then it was just dropped like as soon as they finished everything and like hey congratulations yay end of season two and they're like yeah well you're not coming back for three um so unfortunately it and again it was something that was building up it had a it had lore to live off of and it was creating its own as well it was expanding on the stargate universe and it was very beautifully done it was fantastic to watch it was a beautiful look to it and all that and um again it was unfortunately shut off in the middle of its downtime and unfortunately no one ever got back to it which which kind of sucks because i know that i've a couple of like the actors showing up conventions and all that are always talking about and everyone's very those that are vocal about it are very disappointed that they didn't get their at least a conclusion if they had known that it was going to be the final episode they would have done something about it but the fact that everyone is expecting to come back and then oh we're not oh that sucks so okay sure lou diamond phillips moves on to do stuff and ming na moves on to do stuff and robert kylo moves on to do stuff but a lot of the rest of the canadian cast just moves on to bit parts in other canadian series and all that but unfortunately that's one that i felt deserves a ending because it's first of all coming off of like i said 16 years of lore prior to it in these other two series which again the other two series also spawn fantastic actors and all that we got jason momoa from stargate atlanta i mean that's you can't like and we had MacGyver in the first series. I mean, mm-hmm. Richard Dean Anderson headed that series for like happen. eight years. Uh, yeah, even the other characters that came out of and Michael Shanks and all that. They all went on to do fantastic things afterwards and all that. But unfortunately, I guess Judge it, is the voice of God of War. He's the voice exactly, of exactly. Christopher Judge is the read it boy but um yeah so that's that's unfortunately one i can't really think of anything that i'd like to see retooled right now because a lot of the stuff that i'm like like we talked about the other week um like um the uh uh, lost in space like this netflix version of lost in space is an amazing retooling of the the series so, Mr. Brown, what do you have to retool or reboot or felt was um, robbed? So, or... in, in terms of finishing off, you you grab. Trevor has a list. 
I do. <laughs> Trevor has uh, a list, yes. Um, I had Stargate Universe on shows I wanted to see finish off. Uh, the other one that's on the top of the list, now I know there's been rumors, Quantum Leap. I don't want a, just, a, a, just a, a little blurb of like, ooh, he never returned. I want to see how it ends. Yes, yes. So want um, to see that. I don't want a reboot because I don't nope. think they could do it justice. I Without mm-hmm. Scott Bakula, I don't nope. think it would you could you um, could get away with not having Dean Stockwell, but not Scott. But Bakula. not Scott Bakula. Yeah. So, I just I want to see you know I want to see him you know, arrive back home even even if he said, makes the conscious decision is like I'm going back in, but I don't want to just a little write up blurb that, that that just felt so cheap. Um, now in terms of a reboot, uh, this is going on way 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 back machine Voyagers, with Phineas Fogg who jumps throughout history yes making, you know repairing yeah. and he's, he loses yeah, yeah, his yeah. book and he grabs the kid who's you know a, a son of a, of a of a historian this kid knows a lot i'd love to see that done today i can i can see mike looking it up right now yes that was a yeah. fantastic it was a very it was a fun short... show he had this little watch and they they yep. turn the dials to the the time and place and bam yep. and they 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 jump yeah um, i can't even remember that one <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is the, the the lead actor John Eric Hexum was goofing around with a prop pistol, put it to his head, pulled the trigger, and the dummy round pushed plastic fragments in through his yeah. skull. And yeah, very, him. very, very sad. Very sad. Yes. Um, but yes, that that itself. Yeah, I think that show would would do great as a as a complete reboot. Also, it'd be a great way of introducing kids to history that isn't tied to the you know their iPads. Um, the other show I would like to see redone. Um, just because a the technology now is better to make it possible, and b the, the when the Canadian production of it took over, it was just it went to, into the toilet. Would be Airwolf. I want to see a full reboot of Airwolf. Airwolf Jets of Airwolf, not the crappy Canadian production version. Um, get some some actors who are reliable. Yeah, Michael Vincent. Um, that uh you know and we've got the technology now where they could you know because things they were limited to the you know the handful of shots they could do with the the actual helicopter they couldn't push it to the limits of airwolf could so they had to fake a lot of it um and they had to reuse so many shots over and over and over again um every episode felt like you know 10 minutes of reuse shots of helicopter shots because that's all they had nowadays they can very easily do it and honestly it was, it was you show you show any anyone from the 80s any kid from the 80s a picture of airwolf and in their head they can hear the sound of that helicopter the screaming pig sound when it, when it you know taking the game it's turn. this game has the soundtrack yeah so it's I mean, and thing is, is like the the initial flight when it's hidden in the Valley of the Gods, and they they fire it up, and it you know, and it rises up out of the Valley of Gods, and it takes off, and then they hit the turbos, and it goes into mock. Almost any kid from the '80s who watched that show has those sounds in their head. They got to bring it back. You know, nowadays with with technology, nowadays it wouldn't yeah. be that expensive to do it CG and make it believable. Like that. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, I don't need to see a new Knight Rider. They've tried that, what, four times? No, four times. no, I was no just we about do to, need to. I was just, I was about just to say, gonna say if Trevor gives two, I'm giving Knight Rider. God, <laughs> no Knight Rider, Rider really? no Street Hawk. Hell yeah. No Thunder. Knight Rider was, 
my absolute favorite. What Night Night Rider was David the Hasselhoff. The reboot Night Rider was great. No, in um, fact, okay, here's another fun fact. I was in the United States visiting family, and I had a choice to get one of two toys, but I didn't see it in person. The first one I picked was Kit. I got it. It was more like a Barbie doll car. I was like, oh, damn it. I thought it was going to be a cool die cast action figure G.I. Joe thing. I was really ticked off as a kid. So we returned that and got Optimus Prime instead. Now, one of the last times I was in Myrtle Beach, not this past time, but I think two times before, they had someone had the, the, the tricked out DeLorean Back to the Future style and right parked right beside it was Kit had the light going back and forth the entire interior cockpit he had the door open so you could see it it had a the, the voice synthesizer so it would say things like please don't sit down you're not michael knight stuff like that and the guy had like the leather jacket and he had the watch and the whole bit is beautiful but again that's a series that is dependent on the actor because they've tried to reboot it what three times oh they and failed it, there it, you it could failed. it's true you could get because right I mean, the, the last one they, they used a was a Ford Mustang. No, it has I, to be the transit. I know, and this is why it would be a great one to retool and do correct. Even but if you had to make it retro, even if you had with, to go back in time and without make it David it Hasselhoff, it's not going to work. You it's, can find someone. You just have to find the right casting agent. Yeah, you can have David somebody. Hasselhoff as the as the what's the the, the guy in charge. Oh, Devin. Uh, there we go, Devin. Gavin. Is, you're hired. You know, so, so with, like back in the 80s when they had all those car or vehicle shows where you had yeah. like, you know, Street Hawk was the, the motorcycle and you had Blue Thunder and you had Auto Man and Auto Man for the win. Of <laughs> Team Turbo, those, Team Turbo. Of all of them, if, if I had to cho- choose between all of them, I would pick Airwolf first to be retooled and, you know, oh. put back on the air. Airwolf was my second favorite vehicle show, but. Yeah, Knight Rider, number one. Especially when Tesla well, made the that. self-driving cars and the Apple yeah. Watches. I exactly. want to get a black Tesla and an Apple Watch to say, Kit, pick me up in front. Yes, Michael. It's so awesome. <laughs> and do, doing the uh, the moving, uh, the red light, it would be child's play with LEDs now. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I even asked the guy who, who had it. He's like, honestly, though you can buy those parts now. There's enough aftermarket guys who make the, the, the strobe that goes back and forth. You just... You know, there's a simple modification. You you bolt it in, you plug it into the the electrical system, and you're done. And that's apparently it's illegal to drive around with that, though. No, it's not. It's I heard it was because it's like a siren, essentially. Siren lights. You know. Well, he said. I mean, he I looked he, into it. it. He's probably it illegal. Sorry, we should probably cut this part out. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was his daily driver was was kit, and he didn't drive the back future car because it had so much extra weight from all the other stuff on it because it still had the original engine. He's like, it, it drives like a pig. Um, he's like, it, it, the old, like the, the Renault engine that's at the it. He's like, it, it's just not powerful enough to even, it would never hit 88, even, with, even without all that stuff on it. So well, that's funny. Our neighbor across the streets and all this kind of stuff too, you know, builds props and that. And his buddy had a DeLorean decked out with all the Back to the Future gear. So we'd often see it in the driveway across the street. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, nice. That's cool. Miss Adrian here came up with uh, one called uh, Coveting Cross, which was a uh, basically a sword and stones, uh, basically 
medieval set. You should get her online. Get her on camera. Let her describe it. Okay, come on, Adrian. You're coming over here and you're going to talk. You're going to talk about why you want uh, either a conclusion to it or a retooling of Covington Cross. And then the people know who's talking in the background. It was like an Aaron Stone show, but in a castle. Like, what's not to love? There was, you know, swords and and like te- and angsty teenagers and cool clothes and everything. I quite liked it. It was it was a fun show. So and apparently, apparently there was uh, thirteen episodes made, but only six had aired. Yeah, in the yeah, US. they didn't even let me see all the episodes. Yeah. Like six 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 Park Avenue. Screw There's that. another one. There's another one that didn't have a good. That show yet. was amazing. Yeah, and then we didn't get to finish watching that either. And like apparently, like the last episode is out there somewhere. But I keep forgetting to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the other one we talked about? Well, there. Okay. Have you guys watched The Glades? It's like a it's like a cop show in Florida, right? So, like, spoilers for people who are actually going to watch it. So they they never made any more, right? So the last episode, he's supposed to get married. Like, there's like a you know they like each other, but whatever for three seasons, right? And they finally get together, whatever, and they they are finally going to get married. It's like, and like, so, so it's going to be the wedding and he's bought her dream house for her as a wedding present. Right. So she has no idea. So he goes to the, to the house to go and set it up for the honeymoon. Right. And he goes and he's like, he's got the champagne and the flowers and everybody's going, he stops there on his way to the wedding. Some fucker comes in and shoots him. And he can't make it to the phone. And like, shut up, Mike. Anyway, so but it ends with him bleeding out on the floor and she thinks he's not coming to the wedding. And that's how this show ends. You don't that's even horrible. know if it was like the ex-husband who shot him or who. You don't even know. Yeah, you're given no conclusion. Nothing. Who it was. That like, who does that? Yeah. Who does Did that? Did you hear audio? Just tell her uh, that was amazing. I'm convinced that was amazing he's convinced yeah he's convinced no it's a good show it's really funny right it's in Florida it's a murder show there's gators and shit I mean what's not to love (laughs) everything's always improved with gators anyway so yeah but but dude like how can you not that's some mean thing to do to the viewers I'm just saying and sorry for screaming no problem. It's been a long day. <laughs> I, I mean, usually it's Trevor that starts uh, like foaming at the mouth like that. But that, that, that was pretty I, awesome. I just oh, he, we saw time for him to start drooling and foaming. Here we go. That can either do with a good finish or a reboot. What? Forever Night. Mm. Forever Night. Yes. yes. Forever Night. Classic. Here you go. Adrian's mm. Forever Night as well. He says, he says, I want, I want, I want them to redo it without fucking baby cow. Leave baby cow out of the equation altogether. We don't need him. Vachon. Right. The, the, the other vampire baby Vachon. Cow in yeah, I know, I know. Yes. Okay. And the other show that they could reboot and do it well, do south. I, I don't know do south. What's wait, 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 wait. You want to reboot it reboot it reboot okay so you don't want it okay gotcha i gotcha because do south is a great series it it is it kind of ended on a slightly ambiguous it did it did yeah yeah but i think rather than doing a a finish off they could just do a reboot of it gotcha gotcha yeah 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 yeah, yeah. those are two shows that i think could easily be rebooted and done well good old canadian programming yeah. You never watched Do yeah. South? It's actually Do quite... South. Forever Night, though, is huge. Yeah, show. Forever Night. Yeah, three seasons. That's all we got. And it's sort of that last season sort of wrapped up. Is, if, they, if they really wanted to, you know, ramp it up, throw it on HBO 
where they can do the sex, they can do the blood, they can do the violence, they can do it as a miniseries, kind of like, you know, Game of Thrones style and just give us 12 episodes a season. Yeah. It's late, folks. All right. So on that note, we're going to call it a close to this particular episode. We've gone for a little bit and all that. I'm glad everyone is sticking around with us. Uh, be sure to uh, stick around for the uh, little outro and all that. It gives us all the ways to contact us and whatnot. Uh, plus, we also have another week on our uh, previous uh, contest that we're doing, the uh, Defending Our Roles, where uh, we're having the actual listening audience uh, vote on the four selected universal monsters that uh, the mummy. is the best of them. So the we've mummy. got we've got the mummy, we've got the invisible the man, <laughs> we've got Frankenstein's monster, and we've and the got mummy. the creature from the Black Lagoon. And the mummy. So Don't we'll be a be... mummy's boy. Vote for the I Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can go to our different social medias and look up uh, the conversation we have about that we'll probably put another link up uh, sometime this week to direct you to those two uh, again if the audience is the one who's voting on uh, the They'll conversation for the that we had about uh, the universal monsters so if uh, they're trunk the mummy <laughs> and on Remember, only that crack note, babies for the mummy. and on that note we're gonna say uh be sure to uh come back next week when we're going to do a little more of this sort of thing and uh, continue on with our top 10 with everyone's number nine pick and we're going to get the uh conclusion to the like i said the uh defending your role uh again voted by the audience so go to our different social medias and check out the end of our podcast for that information coming at you right there so until until (laughs) until uh be sure to tune in next bat time uh same bat time same uh, spider channel and uh on that we're gonna do a collective goodbye everyone ready for it and in a three two one collective goodbye all righty then good night folks only took us 26 episodes to get that good yeah that's good yeah yeah it was still pretty bad You've just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist in allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at PlanetGeekPod, all one word on facebook search for planet geek productions or you can send us an email to planetgeekpod at gmail.com buy the guys a coffee by going to kofi ko-fi.com slash planetgeekpod and know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening.